Oh yeah, just the Frenchest French knight that's ever Frenched. Hello and welcome to Dice Like Ice, episode number 22. I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Ravner to my Eisenhorn, Andrew Mitchell. Hey, I know that one. Yeah. I've read some of those books. Only some of them. Yeah, I haven't read Ravner yet, um, although he does show up in Eisenhorn's so yeah. character. It's... They get better. That's what I hear. The, the first one's not super great. Uh... Not to immediately go into our love for the 40k podcast, but if I remember correctly, Campbell described Ravner as incel Professor X. Yeah, I mean, he's not that far off. Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, fir- the first book is weirdly horny, but then they get better. I mean, okay, well. can you blame him? The man's stuck in a fucking chair. Yeah, yeah, being in- entombed in a-, a floating wheelchair would probably be pretty bad. Although, from what I gather, he's a super powerful psyker and can, like wear other people as gloves essentially so like he could probably get it on if he really wanted to (laughs) it would be weird but you know better than not yeah but yeah but you know what's not weird is uh being sponsored by our normal sponsors tony oh yeah what are what are those sponsors by grip that was a really really smooth segue (laughs) it was i tried to uh, stall as much as i could as i scrambled to get my fucking finger under this shitty pull tab well that's why i was uh (laughs) i had that long pause when i was like oh i'm speaking you know because i was like oh shit he probably doesn't have his beer ready (laughs) no i did as soon as you said speaking of i grabbed it but the fucking pull tab on it was so flush against the top of the can i was just i was struggling trying to get in there what you drinking andrew all right, well, I got a goofy one for the season, because uh, that's what I tend to do these days. So from uh, Jekyll Brewing out of Alpharetta, Georgia, we have Redneck Christmas Stout. God damn it, Andrew. And it is a... <laughs> it, it's a lot. It's a chocolate, coffee, peppermint stout, and I will go ahead and say, all those together don't really do that great. It sort of tastes like peppermint, and that's about it. Uh, and the tagline, but you're like it ought to be. This beer is an homage to those early holiday mornings. An imperial stout brew with coffee, chocolate, and peppermint makes this perfect beer for the holidays, especially with Uncle Eddie around. With Uncle yeah. Eddie, yeah, all right. Yeah, got to get that Christmas vacation. Yeah, in, seriously. Which, uh, it's about time to watch that again. It's, it uh, is, it is that time of December year. 5th December as we record. So, pretty, what, pretty uh, soon for Christmas stuff. What's your ABV on that guy? Oh, it's nothing special. Uh, what is it? I say as I can't find it. Actually, it's a little special. It's an eight percenter. I thought. It was oh six. Christ! I was trying to figure out how long I had before you went off the rails in this episode. Eight uh, percent, not very. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's once I get like a nine point five and higher, that's when I start meandering. Yeah, fair, fair. How about you? What do you got going on today? Uh, I can't remember if this one is a repeat or not. If it is, it's a repeat from way back when. It is uh, Rogue Brewing's Dead Guy Ale. I believe that is a reason. See, I guy. thought I thought so, but you know, deal with it. Dead Guy Ale is a Malbox style ale with a robust malt profile and a sweetness balanced by the liberal use of bitter and hops, with its flavors of bitter, malt, and toffee. Yeah, so it's uh, it's just a casual. Uh, what is this? Six six point eight. So not too bad. But 
I think. Yeah, wait, good, was this the beer that it, it was skunked for me that day? Um, no, that was a that was a creature comfort brew. That was the. No, that was the Orf. It was Orpheus brewing. Was I think. it Orpheus? I don't yeah. know. It was a silver yeah. can. It scarred into my memory because it was so yeah, that's bad. Orf- that's Orpheus because most of their cans are silver. Mm. Yeah, Dead Guy Ale's really good though. Yeah, that's that's a solid all arounder for sure. Also, you gotta love the little artwork on it. That's that's how I pick beer is by the fucking artwork on it. That's half the way I pick beer these days, and the rest is just how many flavors I can cram into it to make it where I can hear Tony's eyes rolling. <laughs> yeah, no, my eyes were in the back of my head firmly from this one, brother. Well, it's okay you win on this one. This is uh, not a particularly good beer. It doesn't really taste very much like chocolate or coffee. It barely <laughs> tastes like peppermint. It's just, it's a beer. It's a stout. I can taste that it's a stout. Yeah, well, you know, at least there's that, I guess. Yeah, like, I'm not recoiling when I take a sip, but... uh I'm not going to buy it again. <laughs> like, f- very solid four out of ten on this one. It's, it's not great. <laughs> That's kind of disappointing, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, how does it rate compared to the terrible, terrible, awful joke beer I got us that time? Oh, no, that one was better. Oof, that's saying something. I mean, I, I liked the terrible joke beer. It was it was on the verge of being too much for the silly bullshit I tend to drink, but it was at least, like, flavorful and good. This is just kind of <laughs> sort of peppermint, and that's about it. Oh, all right. Well... Andrew, it, uh, it's actually only been two weeks for one since we recorded. We're actually possibly getting a time frame going in, you know, a year in. Oh, no. It, it, something's going to go horrible for one of us. We, we can't do more than two episodes in a, in a consecutive <laughs> bi-weekly order. Fair, fair. Uh, so this time, what have you been working on? Okay, hobby progress. Uh, pretty good bit. Um... Only a couple of purchases, which you were there for one of. <laughs> um, I was. So we'll just... I guess technically we'll, that's my purchase. Yeah, slipped you a hundo so you could go pick it up for me. But yeah, no, it was my money. It counts. Fair. But anyway, we'll start off. Um, so I'm building through some of the backlog of the small things I picked up. So I built uh, Azrock the Annihilator, the uh, the, 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 the the Warhammer Plus. Man, my brain just short-circuited on that name. Uh, the Warhammer Plus <laughs> Year 2 model, um, the Chaos Terminator uh, Zer, guy. Zerfor, Zufor, Zucor, Zuko, something like that. Did you have a fucking stroke? No, his name's like Zufor, Zerkor. <laughs> it's, it's Azrak the Annihilator. I already said it. <laughs> Wait, I thought you... The Terminator guy? Yeah. No. Yes. Who the fuck is Zufor? Great question. Uh, you're the one channeling spirits of dead crazy people over there. Zufor. The butcher of Rex. <laughs> oh, might be God, the Forge that's World. an awful fucking model. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, I think that's the Forge World guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, man, it's too bad you're never allowed on the pull quote because that would be a great one. <laughs> Zubo, Zufo, Zuflar, Vufa. Oh, uh, yeah, apparently the 6.8 that I've taken three sips of is hitting me, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, it's like a brick. Fuck. Got him built and primed. Nothing special. <laughs> Haven't started on him yet. I never heard you say a name. I thought you said you couldn't remember his name. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Starting off strong. Oof, not my finest moment, guys. <laughs> and after that, one that's a little easier to pronounce, I uh, built the Golf Rocker. No name on him as far as I'm aware. But, the uh, Jeff Wrecker? Yeah, the Jeff Wrecker. 
really fun little model. He's going to be one I could probably just paint in one sitting. It's going to be a really, really cool model to do. Uh, he'll sit proudly on my desk beside my noise marine. Main thing is, do I just paint him like a golf rocker, just with like the standard black and, you know, checkered dags type stuff on like his uh, guitar belt? Or do I do I do some kind of rock star thing like I did with my noise marine? Because the, the noise marine I did kind of like... Um, Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie type stuff. So what do I do with the golf rocker if I do something with him? I feel like you've got to go over the top with him. Like how over the top we talking? We thinking like clam rock? We thinking I mean, like it's, death I, metal? I, I feel like it's got to be, ooh, corpse paint would be fun on it. Because I kind of had the thought of, yeah, like painting a skull on his face. That could yeah. be kind of fun. Well, you, you could almost go the whole, whole ghost style. Oh, yeah, that's true. Doesn't quite have the aesthetic though. Not no, really no, a pop no. Hat he, he's, he doesn't have a pop hat. He's definitely not facial school. But I, I kind of hate that he has the Axl Rose hat because it just kind of or a uh, slash hat from Guns N' Roses because it just kind of like you know sets yeah, him into like, that. Because like the hat is the look is yeah. the problem. He doesn't have any funky colors or anything. He right, wears it's just no, no patterns. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll, oh, you I'll figure could always it out. Uh, green sculpt him the uh, Ian Scott from Poison Fist beard. Yeah, that is something I could do. Please you know? don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll probably browse around and see what other people have done. See if maybe there's some some fun inspiration to be had. But otherwise, I'm pretty happy with just painting them like a standard golf rocker, just because it's a it's a fun, goofy model. Um, I really need to see about building like a small chunk of stage or something for him to stand on. He he's one that needs like a bespoke handmade base. Yeah, for sure. So I'll figure that one out. Uh, after him, I finished top to bottom, finished the base, did everything. One Mega Gargant King Broad. He is uh, finally done. Papa Smurf is ready for the board, and I am very excited to field him yet again because uh, that's a really cool model. I had a lot of fun oh, painting him. Dude, the, the birch on that just breaks my fucking brain. It looks so goddamn good, man. Well, thank you. It's really not that hard to do, actually. If I, I haven't seen many birch tree sculpts that uh, Games Workshop has made, but if they do, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. It was really... There was only a very small amount of any, like, paint blending. Most of it was just, like, administratum gray, and then a wash of agrax, and then administratum gray again, and then I just kind of mixed white and a tiny bit of Screaming Skull into it for the final layer, and that was it. Was, really didn't do any, like, weird techniques or anything on it. Was it uh was it textured to look like birch or did you go in and individually drop all those lines? Oh, the lines were already there. Oh, okay. I thought it was smooth. Oh god, no. If it was smooth, that would have that would have been a feat of painting. That's Yeah, that's hand. that bro that's why it broke my fucking brain. No, no, no. Okay. So those were already in the model. I just okay. kind of went with them. Still uh, looks same fantastic. With like, same with like the bark splintering and you could see like the heartwood and stuff underneath. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool model. And then similar to all the other Mega Gargants, tons of shit to paint all over his belt. He's got shields and swords and other trophies hanging off of it. And can't just do like a mono color on his loincloth. So I had to, I did like one main color that he did for, you know, I'm assuming he took it from like a sailboat or something and then various other colors to patch it up. And, you know, had to do some leathers this color, some leathers that color. Oh, he's got a bit of dragon for a snack on his belt. I got to paint that a different, you know, there's a lot of mixing and matching paints all the goddamn time on a model like that. So it took a while to get done, but I finally did it. He's ready for the board. I really like the yellow. I think the yellow is a fantastic choice. Yeah, I had to think of something good that would pop well with uh, him having pretty bright blue Papa Smurf skin. 
So uh, yellow for the loincloth, and then orange for the... Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Whatever the, the turtles that the uh, Ibneth Deepkin use. He has one of those as like a gut plate, essentially. A Kellyan Leviathan, yeah. So he's got one of those as a gut plate. I painted that kind of a bright orange to clash with the yellow and the, the blue complements and such. Um, so yeah, just kind of a, you know, mostly color theory-y kind of thing. But he does have some random greens and shit in there thrown in as well. Uh, I really liked painting the bone on him because he has the uh, the two mammoth tusks on his shoulder and he's got the really big dragon skull that he's using as a helmet. Yeah. I had a lot of fun blending those up because I didn't just do my standard like layers. I actually tried to wet blend my own bone together and that was a pain in the ass, but I feel like the result ended up being kind of worth it. Yeah, no, it, it definitely looks great, man. And if you want to check those out, they're on my Instagram at the Brush Goblin. Ooh, self-promotion. Is also the last post I've made in ages. I've been very bad about posting things for a while, so I need to get back on that. Ooh, I found a good golf rocker. Oh, yeah? He's punk. He's wearing denim. Ooh. Oh, God, I've never tried to paint denim. Yeah. Get... All right, I'll link it over to you. Awesome. That's actually a pretty uh, sick denim recipe, too. That's not bad at all. Yeah, so I'll definitely look into the possibility of having a punk denim golf rocker. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, after King Broad and the Golf Rocker and all that, I uh, finally started on the Chaos Knight that I impulse purchased while we were at Nova. Uh, I've oh, got yeah. him almost entirely base coated. The only thing I have left to do is the uh, couple of bits of wood that are coming out of his uh, his armor on the top that he hangs skulls and stuff off of. Um, and then it's ready for a wash and highlighting back up, which is actually not that bad on a Chaos Knight. Um, the, the base coating took the longest the first time I did it with my House Herper Tracks guys. So oh, once, I know uh, the feeling. Yeah, once once the wash is done, it actually goes pretty quickly. So I should have him, I'm not going to say by the end of this week. I should have him done by mid-December, we'll say. Okay. Um, and then after that, we are on uh, purchases count. So <laughs> I did finally pull the trigger on something i've been talking about for ages and i bought the slaves to darkness army box that just came out <laughs> uh like a month ago or whatever because uh i've just been feeling in a pretty chaos mood after the latest uh warhammer stuff they've been showing off yeah, at you, you uh, kinda, the new mexico open you you'll well i'll get to it in a minute on how many chaos armies you've dove into all of a sudden yeah, I've uh, I've been feeling some spiky boys, so uh, that's not arrived yet. I, I purchased that a couple of days ago, so it should be here tomorrow or Wednesday, so within a day or two. Uh, the thing that I do currently have that I have bought and built is uh, Chaos Space Marine Combat Patrol. <laughs> so for listeners <laughs> keeping will... track, that is not one, not two, but three different Chaos Armies for technically two and a half different game systems that Andrew has started on in the past week yeah. and a half. Yeah, I've uh, I've dove a little headfirst into chaos. Well, they were they were my second Warhammer army that I ever had was Chaos Space Marines. So I do already know I like the vibe of them. I've been talking about getting into Slaves of Darkness for ages. Uh, I had a uh, a little bit of extra money came my way that I wasn't expecting. So I was like, okay, I can splurge a little bit. It's Christmas time. I need some stuff to work on because you know people are going to be out and about visiting family, and when I'm not doing that, it'll just be me at my place. So I need some projects to work on. So. I have uh, I bought and built the Chaos Space Marine Combat Patrol with uh, the idea that they're probably going to become Iron Warriors because I like the aesthetic a lot and they'll tie in very well with something that was uh, recently revealed. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all about the spiky boys these days. But that doesn't mean I don't still care about my greenskins. They're they're still pretty top bracket as well. Your first love. Yep, 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 yep. And then chaos are my second love. And then after that is nothing. I am done. That is my list. <laughs> what did you get done, Tony? You had a a pretty pretty solid hobby progress from the stuff I saw. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, so. First thing was uh, the Sunday after we recorded, I completely finished my 2,000 point night list. So I got all my details on. The only thing that I might do is add some transfers to them. Uh, but I, you know, I'm always hesitant with transfers because that makes me feel like the model is done. And I know there's a lot more I can do to those guys still. Yeah, I have about 20 things on the backlog I keep saying I'll do transfers on and haven't done yet, so one day I'll bite the bullet and actually do it, but uh, today is not that day. Exactly. So I got those finished up, all based, all ready to go, because there was a uh, a tournament at our local shop uh, this past Saturday that I was going to take nights to, so I'd been practicing and everything with those, made sure to get them built, tabletop ready, all that. Uh, The guard box came out, so I got that on... Uh, I got that on Wednesday of this past week. Um, liked it so much on Saturday, I bought a second one. <laughs> so you're not allowed to make fun of me for double dipping into chaos? No, no I'm not. But, but here's the thing. I got a really good deal on the first one, and I got a good deal on the second one. And since I'm selling the second codex and cards and had a little bit of store credit left, it's basically like I'm getting two boxes for the price of one of those boxes. Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, see, it, it ended up costing me about like I think two two thirty out of pocket for both of them. Okay, so okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, and out of those boxes, I have built one of the command squads, both of the sentinels, uh, one pair of the weapons teams. Um. So I've still got one command squad and 40 infantry to build out of that box, but I want to get a list together before I go whole hog into the infantry. Uh, I also got two boxes of Ogrens and got those guys fully built up and set and ready. Um, I broke Just in, like the standard ones or the ones with the slab shields? Uh, Bulgrens. I went with slab shields and mauls on five of them and then built another as a bodyguard because uh, if you put a bodyguard in a command squad is one of the regimental advisors in it, then every shot against it until the Ogren is dead goes against its toughness five, two up sa- or four up save, and four up invulnerable save, and six wounds. So he can potentially tank, like, I don't know, a volcano cannon if all goes well. Yeah, uh, and the other fun thing that I learned uh, today was the Cadian command squads, it's just five guys, but it has the character keyword, so it also benefits from lookout, sir. Oh, nice. So I was like, man, how am I going to keep these command squads alive? Oh, fuck. Look out, sir. That's how. Just surround them with more bodies. Just surround them with meat. Mm-hmm. And then I can put a line of the Bulgrins in front of it, and Bulgrins will give a uh, like a minus one to wound against things behind it as they're having to shoot past the Ogrins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stratagems in that book. I hope they can eventually release more Ogren-centric stuff because they're kind of they only have like two kits and the whole army, right? Uh, there's technically three builds for them. Well, they have they have the normal guys, yeah. the Ogren slab shield dudes, and then what uh, Nork Deadog or whatever yeah, his name is. And then you've also got um, there's a couple of variants you can build. You can build the uh, the normal uh, Ogrens that just have the Ripper guns and like tank tops, and then there's the tank tops and the shields that give two uh, or uh, 
four up invuln saves, and those guys can have either mauls or grenade launchers, and then you can build them as the four up normal save, four up invulnerable save with clubs or grenade launchers, and those are the dudes that have like the big heavy armor with the tank track links on them. Okay. Which I built them as those, uh, but I took I kept the shields off and have them because the shields can pop in and out, so I can change them to whichever shield type I need. Oh, nice. So yeah, yeah. Uh... I have that armor unlocked in Darktide now, and it's great. Yeah, and it looks cool as shit. Oh, yeah. Definitely would be hitting himself in the nuts with that tank tread all the oh, time, though. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, they're mostly muscle. They'll be aight. <laughs> Even their balls have muscles. <laughs> there it is. There's our pull quote. Sure. <laughs> I, nothing will top last week's pull quote. That was my favorite. That was a good one. <laughs> it's you, you know, it's just sometimes you play a game called Secret Hitler, and you say things that are very bad out of context. <laughs> Uh, let's see. And then I also built the entire um, Navy Breacher Squad kill team. Oh, those are so fucking cool. They're really fucking cool. Uh, I got one test scheme dude fully painted in the uh, Segmentum. I think it was Segmentum. Uh, oh, my God. It's whatever one the Sabbat worlds are in. Uh, it starts with a P. Pacificus or something like that. But uh, it's uh, it's green and white instead of the normal blue and white you see. Oh, okay. So that's that's the paint scheme I did on those guys. I've got one fully painted, and then ha- the other half of them are partially painted. Uh, I got my crew kill team totally painted, based, and done as well, so they're ready for kill team or Ashways Necromunda. Nice. Yep. Uh, I bought a Hydra on Black Friday, and I bought it. Built it and primed it all in one sitting. Did that one have uh, the super irritating tank treads, or are you just used to building them at this point? So everyone complains about the tank treads, but I think it's just because I've built like forty fucking tanks that they don't bother me anymore. I just I just kind of cut like, them all out and just kind of know where they go at this point. Well, once they get started on the actual like tank, they just kind of like slot in, right? Yeah, yeah, they just drop right in. It's not nearly as bad as the old kits, because the old kits, each link was fucking individual. The longest pieces were three. Yeah, because I, the brief time that I had a Gene Stealer Colts army, I had a Lehman Rust that I built, and it was like three or four pieces that were four or five links long, and then like the corners were individual links that you had to put in. Yeah, that, that's what the normal yeah. Lehman Rust is now. Okay, so I guess as long as you don't lose those links, it's really not that bad. I didn't have too much difficulty with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and since purchases count, I also purchased a golf rocker. He is uh, he is in the mail still. Ah. Oh, and I got my birth month issue of White Dwarf, and it is the wildest shit you'll ever see. I think we talked about it on the last one, but yeah, the, the super derpy yeah, guy on the cover. But I actually got it in and got to look through oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so what... What's in that one that's worth reading? So there's a there's a really cool article on painting faces by John Blanche. And it's like a bunch of illustrations and stuff like that in it. And then there's a whole bunch. It's like a bunch of masterclass stuff on faces and eyes and expressions and stubble and things like that. Which from the, you know, late 80s, that's that's pretty crazy how far it's all come. Yeah, that's really in-depth for something from the 80s. Because yeah. even the best stuff in the 80s is uh, pretty humble compared to the shit we're getting these days. Yeah, and then uh, there's an ad for another GW game that looks like it was the precursor to Gaslands. And I cannot for the life of me remember what it was called. Gorkamorka? No, no, no. It was a car game. Like an actual car. Oh. Like one of the characters is Johnny Reb, 
from Atlanta, and his car just has a big ass fucking rebel flag on it. And I was like, God damn it! Like, Ooh, that sure is eighties Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And twenty twenty two. We're still a little backwards. Yeah. Uh, there was also an ad for Steve Jackson's new game, Fist Role Playing, which was the uh, the thing you could call in. And, like, you played a D&D adventure over the phone? Oh, yeah, and it only cost you 99 cents a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, there was just some, like, just weird shit like that and a lot of ads for things. But, yeah, um, I think that was all my hobby progress. Yeah, both, uh, both of us got a pretty solid bit for it only being two weeks. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not true. I built a fucking Kazarkin squad. Yeah, that's that's kind of a big one. Yeah, those guys are fiddly as fuck. Yeah, I get that impression from a lot of the new guard guys. Well, the thing about the Kazarkin, their helmets and faces are two fucking pieces. Why? Why not? Why on earth? Just mm, that's really because annoying. you can so like it, like the helmet is there, and then you put in the fucking face piece. So it could be, like, the mask with the visor down. It could be the mask with the visor up. It could be the visor down with the mask hanging off to the side. It could fucking be an open face. It could be a dude with a cigar. It could be a this. It could be a that. It's like mother Which is really cool, but that's something they absolutely would have done as just a separate sprue of heads, which, you know, plastic saving costs and all that, but, God, that sounds really frustrating. Oh, it was. I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode. I did buy a set of the GW Obby Clippers. You did, okay. yeah. So I've used those a lot now, and I fucking love them. Hmm. They're they're still have, they're still just as sharp as when I got them, and I've cut a lot of fucking sprue and a lot of chunky sprue. But the thing that is the best about them is they're so fucking narrow that I can get them into those sprue bits and get really really close flush cuts. I was able to cut those tiny little like think about how small a guardsman face is. Not on the yep. big-headed, dumb old guardsmen. On the new guardsmen. Which are like sisters of battle-sized. Yeah, pretty pretty teeny-weeny. Yeah, I was able to cut, get in there and cut that sprue bit damn near flush on the piece, and it not just go rocketing into fucking space. Hmm. I After you talked about the new tools and stuff, I, I spent a little bit on YouTube just seeing people's reviews. And with the Clippers specifically, it seems to be pretty mixed, honestly. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a... A personal preference thing, but sounds like you enjoy them, so that's a pretty good, pretty good purchase then. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy with the Clippers. And the main thing I was seeing about it was um, less that like the Clippers themselves are bad, and more that you could get the same quality for half as much. So, see, you can with the Army Painter Clippers, but the thing about them is the nose on them is so large, you just can't get into some sprues really easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of other brands that are similar, but, you know, I was looking at some of them. I forget. What's his name? Um, he was some Golden Demon winner who he was bitching about him a lot. But then I saw another Golden Demon winner who liked him. So, you yeah. know, I did, I mean, just it's, it's buyer's like, discretion, I guess. It's like any other tool. I'm, I'm going to say I enjoy it thoroughly because I do. Well, some people go. might not. And you know what? Whatever. But they're right. I still need to get any kind of new pair at all because <laughs> the spring on mine is gone. And sometimes it makes clipping big kits really frustrating. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, Andrew, uh, games played in these past two weeks. What you played? 
Well, uh, you definitely have me beat because I only have one game played. <laughs> it was a uh, pretty lax couple of weeks for me. So the only game I have played was against our buddy Jeff. Uh, we did a game of Blood Bowl last Friday, which was kind of an impromptu game night since we typically go on Wednesdays. But, you know, it was just an interesting week for some of us. Uh, so we decided to do a second second game day. Um, and we played Orcs v. Orcs, which was really interesting because I've uh, never played against the team that I'm playing before. Uh, he did have a different list, though. He was more heavy on the Orc Biggins and Blitzers, um, which ended up not going super great in his favor. Uh, it was a really interesting match because it started off really heavily in his favor. He was rolling fucking fire because pretty much everything on the Orc team has an armor value of 10, meaning you need to roll a 10, 11, or 12 to break their armor. He rolled so many damn 10s and 11s. <laughs> By the end of the first half, I had four guys on the on the pitch versus his i think nine um but i did manage to get like the tackling equivalent of a hail mary where i did like two or three dodges i was like all right i have to tackle his blitzer now or he is going to score there is no other option so i had to do two or three good dodges i had to do two go for it so it's like and go for it go for it bam managed to get him so i stopped him from getting a touchdown in the first half and it's like okay thank god i only had like two casualties so i had enough guys left in reserves to actually come back and do something and then uh, it kind of flipped the other way for me in the second half where I was putting his guys down and keeping all of his dudes knocked on their ass the entire time and managed to win the game 1-0. to And we just barely didn't quite play out a full game because it was turn uh, 6 or 7 whenever I scored the touchdown, so there was another one left, but it wasn't really worth playing because there was no chance anybody could have scored with how slow orcs are. Yeah. So uh, it was... It was a, a very swingy match, and I, I just barely was able to squeak out a win, but it was it was pretty fun. It was um, playing two incredibly punchy teams is a very uh, strange way to play Blood Bowl, because typically it tends to be one punchy versus one more dodgy, passy kind of team, or like, you know, playing against humans or the Imperial Nobility, where they just kind of fill whatever gap the other team is bad at. Uh, nope, this one was just, all right, we're going to come in, and we're going to knock each other's teeth out, and whoever survives wins. <laughs> Yeah, Orc, so, orc v. Orc is pretty fun. super fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, I still need to paint up the orcs that I got because I found a, a, a used lot on Frontline Gaming where it was essentially exactly what I needed to fill out a league list if we ever end up playing, where I picked up just a couple more blitzers, a couple more biggins, and one more thrower. Nice. So I just have everything I need for that. But uh, they're still on the backlog for painting. So, um, yeah, that was my only game played, and I'm always thrilled to play Blood Bowl and always excited to play even more. Oh yeah, that was the other hobby progress I had. Is uh, I started painting my other Blood Bowl troll. Uh, I have uh, I have Barnabas the dinosaur, my purple troll. My other one is uh, Mister Sunshine. He's gonna be a bright yellow troll. Nice. And then uh, I did base coating on my Snotling team. So a lot, uh -huh. lot of green, a lot of green. Can't wait to hear what other hobby progress you forgot the next time we start talking. Yeah, seriously, dude, Jesus Christ! I think that's all. But yeah. Only only game for me. So uh, let's hear about your buku of games that you played. So I had six. I had six games yeah. in 14 days. Yeah. Uh, first one was uh, the Monday before Thanksgiving against Matt. Uh, doing a practice game for the tournament that coming Saturday. So I ran my knights into his Dark Angel list. Uh, it was actually a really... We played... Uh, uh, what is it? Corruption or something like that. It's one of the new missions. Uh, but it was a very, very close game. If I would have been able to kill his one uh, Terminator that would have been left, 
it would have been a 79 to 79 draw. Oh, wow. It was that close. It, it ended up being, um, I think it ended up being 79 to, uh, to 68 or something like that. But if I would have been able to kill that guy, it would have been a draw, which is impressive in 40k. And a high point draw at that. Yeah. Because so. normally if you draw, it's like 50 or less because neither of you are playing great or just something went wacky with the objectives. Exactly. Uh, the next game I played against Bobby. And uh, it was uh, at Phil's new place. We got to play in the, the Radon Cafe. That was pretty cool. He's got a lot of space down there. So much terrain, Warhammer stuff. I love it. Yeah, the pictures of his shelves. Just yeah. that, that man is a 3D printing machine. Yeah, he is. But uh, I played my knights into her Tyranid list. And on paper, it was a really, really favorable matchup for me. Because her stuff was mostly a lot of low-strength shooting that was meant to just cover down hordes, and then medium-to-strong monsters meant to rip into things. Whereas mine was hyper-lethal shooting and close combat on really tough things. And the objectives were in the middle of the field, so it was, we're gonna have to close. So on paper, my list should have just walked through hers. Um, in practice, if you don't roll above a three, you can't win at Warhammer. That does tend to help, yeah. It was it was fucking wild, dude. Like I had two armagers fighting a Tyrannifex with three wounds left for three close combat phases before I killed it. And the Jeez. shit part was, every one of my attacks did three damage, and they were swinging six times each. I was hitting on threes. Rolling 12 dice between the two of them, I'd hit like three times. Wounding on threes, I'd wound like once. And she'd always roll a fucking six for the save. Jeez. It's like, my God. Uh, the one... I, I lost that game hard, by the way. But the one saving grace was the fact that old One-Eye charged into my knight gallant. Did like 16 wounds to it. Uh, my knight gallant promptly picked it up, did 28 wounds to it with its fucking thunder fist, and then threw it into another Tyranid for three more mortal wounds. Just just coming in with a suplex from the corner over yeah, there, man. old one I literally got squashed like the buggy is. Hell yeah. But uh, it was still a fun game. Um, I was trying my best not to get salty in it, and I could tell I was a little bit just because, you know, sometimes no matter what happens... If just nothing goes your way, you get a little salty. Dice, dice will be dice sometimes, dice and it's a few things more frustrating than going, tactically, I'm playing well, but the dice refuse to acknowledge that. But Bobby did play yeah. really well. Um, unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it to the tournament. She got sick, uh, which is a shame because I really wanted a rematch. So, ah, well, there's always next time. Yeah, so the Friday before the tournament, I wanted to get one more practice game in. At this point, I played like... I want to say 10 or 11 games on my nights. I had my strategy down. I knew my list inside and out. I was ready for the tournament with it. So Friday, I decided to switch to guard and do a guard <laughs> list for the tournament and throw away the two and a half months of strategy and prepping I've been doing because uh, tanks trundle down the battlefield and cannons go boom. It only took, what, one person going, yeah. hey, you're not playing guard? And yeah. you're going, you know what? I should play guard. It, it took the tournament organizer, Leo. He's like, oh, you're not doing your guard? I thought you were a guard guy with the new decks. I'm like, fuck it. You're right. I'm going to do guard. I know it's Thursday night, but I can build a list real quick. 
Uh, so I built a list that was 12 tanks and had a fucking blast with it against Matt. Um, that was a decently close game as well. But, you know, it's like anything else. Once uh, once Chain Fist get into combat with tanks, they kind of crumble. Yeah, that was so, uh, that was the one you were playing when I was doing Blood Bowl. Yeah, but we, we laughed our asses off through that one. Uh, there was, you know, a couple of battle cannon hits that just removed chunks of dudes from the board. Damn, Plasma Tank did some work. Manacore sucks buttholes now, which is kind of disappointing. But, you know, we had we had fun. Uh, I understand why people love a two-up armor save that ignores Rend 1, because holy shit. Holy shit, that makes a tank hard to kill. That makes anything hard to kill. Yeah, it does. So Saturday rolled around, uh, literally, like, fucking nine hours after I left a game with Matt, I had my models back on the table at a fucking three-round, 12-hour tournament because I'm Jeez. stupid and make poor life choices. Eh, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> yeah, no, neither will I. Uh, so first round of the tournament, I had the guard army again, and I played against Patrick, who is a remarkably good painter. Like, his shit's amazing. Uh, he does commission painting as well. And he we he played at Nova. He didn't go up there with us, but we ran into him at Nova. We didn't know he was going to be there. Uh, and he plays at some of the other bigger tournaments he bounces around to. And generally does, you know, middle of the pack or higher. Um, at Nova, he was on the fucking stream at one point, though. Lost hard on it, but he was on stream. Hey, you know. So that's that, was, a, that was pretty cool. That's a fun little, like, minor moment of celebrity. Yeah. Where I was on the Games Workshop stream. Right. Uh, he was playing a Tyranid list that was hyper-fast and hyper-lethal. Uh, I lost that game 78 to fucking 34 just because on, on turn one, I moved my tanks as far forward as they could just to get a couple of shots off. Uh, and then on his turn one, everything of mine was engaged in close combat with his. Uh, my dice were so bad that him and I were laughing every time I rolled because in my shooting phase, I couldn't kill anything. In my close combat phase, I was running over Tyranids like I had power fists. See, I was gonna, I was gonna make the joke where, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't want your tanks in melee, right? Apparently, I do, because my tanks but were apparently you do. ass in melee. Like, it hits it sixes to hit, fours to wound, and I was just running dudes over. And then when my tanks would die, I had a stratagem called Final Salute that allowed them to shoot their turret weapons, and you can fire a turret weapon at something outside of melee. So he would kill my stuff in melee after I'd run over some bugs, and I would just unleash a blast full bore and wipe something else out. But in my own shooting phases, I couldn't hit shit. So you had to have, like, tank suicide bombers, essentially. Yeah. But uh, Patrick's a great opponent. Him and I, we, we, just, we just fucking laughed that whole damn game, just because dumb shit was happening. Uh, like, I had, I had one demolisher that or one battle kit tank, it rolled up, battle cannoned away a squad of Hormigons, charged and killed a squad of Rippers. Um, then it got exploded by a Hive Tyrant, and with its final salute, fired a battle cannon and killed an entire squad of Zonethropes. Jeez. I was like, yeah, that guy Don't got Zonethropes... his fucking points back. Don't Zonethropes have like a four-up invuln? Uh, yeah, but it doesn't matter when they get hit with nine strength, eight damage, three shots. Yep, yep, fair enough, fair enough. So, but yeah, he rolled, he rolled like, max hits every time he fired. He was the one good tank I had. Yeah. Uh, so, lost that game. Then went into my second game against Benny's Demons, which are, huh, surprise, a hyper-fast, hyper-lethal, close combat army. 
So, uh, you know, second verse, same as the first. He, he scored 98, and I scored 33. Oh. Well, there's a there's a demon secondary that, like, you get four points if you can just spoil a table quarter, and I just couldn't do anything to stop it. When uh, his front line consisted of Bloodthirster, Scarbrand, and Bellacore. I, yeah, there's just, as far as I'm aware, not much to do about that in general. No, no, there's not. Uh, I did deal, like, six wounds to Scarbrand in close combat with a tank, so that was kind of cool. That's got to really wound the pride of one of, like, the best <laughs> melee combatants in the game. Well, because Scarbrand makes you better at melee when you're in his aura, what? friend or enemy. Oh, wow. <laughs> he gives you an extra attack. And I had just a, like an aura yeah, of rage just type aura thing. aura of rage. And I had a stratagem where uh, sixes to wound mortal wo- were mortal wounds. And I issued the order charge where on my charge I roll some dice and on, like, fives were mortals. So I just fucking ran into him. Clicked him in the shins for like six wounds. <laughs> Slammed his knee on the You're corners. Right. Ah, fucking <laughs> smashes oh, the tank in half. Yeah, it hurts so bad. Uh, I, I did that charge because he had one flesh hound that I could not kill. Uh, I shot it with an entire Lehman Russ, so a full bore battle cannon and three heavy bolters, and could not kill this fucking flesh hound. He passed like nine fucking four up saves on it. And then it ran to get another wow. objective. And so I charged that tank over there hoping Scarbrand would kill it and I could either final salute it and destroy that or um, blow up when he killed me and deal the mortal wounds to kill it. Uh, but somehow Scarbrand didn't kill that fucking tank in close combat, so the Flesh Hound was able to get away. So I lost that uh, that secondary point. Womp womp. Yeah, eh, whatever. It was fun. It was another one of those laughable moment sort of games. And then uh, my last game was for bottom table, for mm-hmm. last place, the good old wooden spoon, was against uh, our buddy Alex, who was also running a guard army. Uh, and that may have been one of the most fun games of 40k I've ever had. He was running two super heavies, a vanquisher, a basilisk, and he had 60 infantry and a sentinel. And every time I would shoot an infantry squad, I would kill nine guys and one dude would run away and hide. And I'd have to kill him with a fucking manticore. Uh, he had a sentinel charge into close combat and lock up two of my fucking tanks for like three turns before I was able to kill it. Uh, he fired a death strike missile that landed on a uh, Punisher that killed the Punisher that killed his super heavy. So it was just it was just one of those shenanigan games. And I think I think that one ended like sixty five to fifty eight. So it was a really close, fun fucking game. Yeah, this was the one that uh, I swung. Yeah, by that was the one you swung by. And him and yeah, you saw Alex and I were just fucking cackling in that goddamn game. Yeah, I watched maybe half of that match, and uh, yeah, that was uh, looked like you guys were having a ball the whole oh, time because yeah. you both pretty went pretty heavy, like heavy metal parking lot lists where it was just nothing but tanks for the entire goddamn board, essentially. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, so everyone else was, you know play until win at that point and him and i were like fuck it we're the bottom table let's have fun because it, yeah at that point you're just there to play with your toys and actually have a good time yeah because uh the two guys next to us patrick and james were playing for first um which i th- i think patrick ended up winning but i'm not positive just from how things were going when i looked over i think you're right yeah but the gray knights can score a lot of fucking points real quick kind of like necrons That's can fair uh, and then, like, everyone else was, like, two and one. So pretty much everyone else was in contention for third place. And me and Alex were like, yeah! <laughs> this fucking party, buddy! 
but uh, his um, his guard have a really cool paint scheme on them. They're done like the Rangers from Fallout New Vegas. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. so they're they're the greens and the reds with the silver accents and stuff. That's why he yeah. went with all the Kriegers because they look like the um, the Rangers. NCR yeah. Ranger, yeah. Yeah, so that's what his paint scheme came from. Cool. But yeah, so there were these six games that I played over two weeks. And uh, when's your next tournament? Uh, I don't know, actually. Uh, I do want to, Matt wants to play in a tournament, so I'm going to try and drag him down to Augusta when they start that circuit back up after the first of the year. That should be a fun time. So, Andrew, are you going to come play a 40K tournament with us in Augusta? Fuck no, I appreciate my time. Oh, come on, buddy. <laughs> I like 40K, but that many games back-to-back just turns my brain into mush. Oh, my God, dude. I was a useless sack of shit on Sunday. Exactly. Playing fucking four games of 40K in 24 hours. I don't know how Dr. Chris does it. Uh, Better than we do. Yeah, he's also done it a lot more than I have. Maybe he's kind of like, yeah, he's he, built up a callus. He probably also, you know, ate food during that time and didn't pound alcohol like I did and, you know, fucking drank water. Yeah, water's pretty important. Basically, yeah, all those things we talk about in, like, the preparing for tournaments, I did none of those things. Except you deodorant. Did you go and get Red Bull? No, I did not get Red Bull. We went to Locos because we could have beer at Locos. Oh, God, Locos is always disappointing. Oh, see, it's, it's not bad. You got to get the right stuff, man. Yeah, I've never had a good anything from Locos. You know, maybe you should play in a tournament with us and go over there. It was me, Matt, and Ben. Could It could be that you were so scatterbrained from doing a tournament that anything tasted good. Yeah, okay, that's valid. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you might be right, but I like Locos, motherfucker. Fair enough. The for, beer is important. For those of you who that. don't know, Locos is a local Athens restaurant there's like four or five of them in athens it's, yeah, it's kind of like a pub yeah, it's, sort it's of a thing sports bar pub restaurant thing it, yeah. it's like a beef brady's but doesn't fucking suck every time i've gotten a burger there it's been soggy oh yeah don't get a burger get the wings yeah or a reuben a, the reuben's good but if you're eating at a sports bar like burger is the thing you get or wings, or wings. <laughs> their real real gold is their fucking uh cheesy potatoes Mm, okay. Anytime me and Dr. Chris play at uh, Dragon Star, we go over and grab some pints and a big-ass plate of cheesy potatoes. Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind next time I end up going by Locos. There you go. Oh, anyway. So, uh, reveals. Uh, as astute listeners will realize, uh, our last episode was recorded on the night they did the GW Online preview. Yeah, we, we stayed up and watched it as soon as we were <laughs> done recording. We thought about, we, we mulled over the idea of doing a live reaction recording, but that would have been really boring for you, so we didn't. Yeah, if, if you could, like, pull up that stream and rewatch it, I guess maybe it wouldn't have been, but I don't know if you could do that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of pauses and us going like, okay, that, that looks nice, I guess, and then just, you know, nothing until the next thing came up. Yeah. Uh, all right. But there was some good stuff, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you want to grab off of it, Andrew? There's, oh, there's one well, thing that I know that you want that I will let you have 100%. Uh, okay, well, I guess I'll go ahead and start off with the really big one. So, like, I don't know. Go ahead and get ready to, to turn down my fucking volume on the editing. But we're getting a fucking Gits Battle Tome! Finally! <laughs> a fucking update to our favorite dumb little army. Uh, it's only taken them most of four years to give me a fresh Battle Tome. Hey. Yes, I understand your pain, Tony. You play Imperial Guard. I and get Skaven. It. Yeah, 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 I understand. But, 
I've been my army has been bad since I started playing them, so I'm excited to maybe actually be kind of good for like three months until they release m- newer battle tomes, which completely start stomping them. Hey, but whatever, they may have been bad, but they've always been fun. Most of the time, yeah, they've almost always been fun. Almost always been fun. Eighty uh, percent of the time, they've be, almost always been fun. I want them to be back to the point. Where when I first started, because I got them relatively recently after their first Battle Tome came out, uh, I want them to get back to that point where yeah, I'm going to lose, but it's going to be really goofy and silly the whole time. It kind of stopped being that by the end of uh, by by the end of second edition and third edition. I barely play them, but ah, new Battle Tome now I will. <laughs> Uh, as well as the Battle Tome uh, tease, they had a couple of other gets things. So I will start off by saying these are really good models, but they don't feel super gitsy to me. And that are the new uh, Snarl Fang Wolf Riders that they showed. Really good models, but I don't know. They just kind of feel like your standard like Tolkien goblins kind of stuff. They don't really feel it, it very. It seems like, like it would have been more at home in the Auric Warclans book. Yeah, exactly. Like 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 a good fast attack for I don't know, like iron jaws or something to take as a you know, a hard hitting quick thing that dies very quickly. Like a good glass cannon unit. And then by the time they've dealt with those, that's when the big orcs get there. But fucking beautiful. Beautiful goddamn models. Fantastic minis, but there's not a mushroom to be had on them, so they're not gits. <laughs> they they don't have like the madcap energy that a proper yeah. gloom spite model is supposed to have. Yeah, but, really, uh, there's really not a single mushroom on any of those. Yeah, yeah but otherwise, like, solid 9 out of 10. Really good sculpts. Excellent models. I will be getting some. They just, they need a mushroom. Gotta have a mushroom. Um, but uh, something that does actually have mushrooms, <laughs> uh, the Warhammer Underworld's Gnarlwood Narl-world, group, uh, Grink, Grink, Grinkrack's Loon Court. That's a gitsy fucking name. It's so uh, cool. These it's are hilarious. So fucking cool. So they're supposed to be like, like knightly goblins. Like they they go on quests and stuff. They wear shitty like handmade plate mail armor. They're, One of them rides a squid. They're straight up like, Bretonian gits. Yeah, they're git Bretonians. Like they have knight helmets and stuff. Uh, and these are proper gitsy models. There are mushrooms. They are madcap. They're very silly and whimsical, and I love them so much, and I will be buying them the minute they are launched. Yeah, Andrew, I don't think GW could have made a warband that appeals to both of us as much as this does. Yeah, like, this is such a fucking wonderful kit. It is so hilarious. It's essentially, like, the vibes you get from watching David Bowie's Labyrinth. Yes, I know it's Jim Henson's Labyrinth, but we know it's David Bowie's Labyrinth. No, it's David Uh, Bowie's Codpiece's Labyrinth. Yeah, it's David Bowie's Codpiece's Labyrinth, like, distilled into... How many models is this? Like, seven models? Yeah, seven models. So, I mean, one of them... It's a knight that has a squig on a stick. That's his melee weapon. He has a biting stick. One of them has a mushroom that he plays like a trumpet and it shoots little darts. One of them has a fucking slingshot that shoots squigs. Like, th- this, this is a Gitz kit. The dude with am... the broken lance with the sword attached to it that has the fucking beak helm might be one of my favorite models that I've seen in Underworlds. It's I actually so really, cool. really like the guy riding the squig. Like, that's yeah. actually just a cool model. Like, it's not even inherently silly. Like, it is when you really look at it. He's got a mallet that's just a piece of wood that's stuck to the end of a broken lance. Yeah. But, like, just the pose about it actually looks, like, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but everything else in this kid is just so fucking silly and wonderful. Yeah, they're, 
God and, damn, it's uh, a beautiful kit. I haven't played Underworlds. I imagine that they're kind of crap because they are kits, but they'll be fun, I'm sure. Yeah, that one, All right. man, it's just so good. Well, now that I've had a minute to gush about kits, uh, there's definitely a solid one that I think you're very interested in from the reveals, Tony. Uh, does it have to do with ash and wastes? Yeah. Yeah, um, perhaps boy. Perhaps some, uh, some boys who like to build things out of trash. Uh, talking about more doofy shit with broken sticks riding shit. The fucking Caldor Stalkers. Um, what are these things even called? Uh, give me two seconds. Oh, Ridge Walkers. It's another thing. Yeah, because everything has to have the word Ridge in it for the ash waste. Yeah, so uh, House Caldor, everyone's favorite trash boys, uh, have basically just made sentinel legs that run through the waste that they steer with little joysticks. Uh, and their melee weapon is literally a bomb on a stick. But it's not as refined as like a Rough Riders bomb on a stick. This actually has the fucking blast rule. It is a three-inch blast weapon with a two-inch range. So you are hitting right at the edge of it. If someone charges you, you are exploding yourself with it. And I am so fucking on board for these guys because they're just so cool looking. I love the backstory where it's like, oh, they didn't come up with these. They heard about an Imperial Sentinel that one time, like a couple mm. generations ago. And they're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. And like, God, they're just so dumb looking. Like, there's a dude with a flail. The flail doesn't even reach the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It, I really love looking at each of these models and just kind of like trying to figure out where the bits came from. Yeah. Like one of them has like a welded I-beam chunk as a foot. Uh, there's one that has, it looks like the standard like mining rig padding like you'd see on Gene Steeler Colts. It has that as like a shin guard on one of the models. One of the um, fronts looks like the new Escher bikes. Yeah, it's definitely stuff that's been stolen from other kits mm -hmm. in, uh, in the Ash Wastes. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. There's probably, I'm sure there is a designer who has a document working for Games Workshop who knows exactly what every single bit came from, from every kit. And I just love that idea, <laughs> which means you could uh, probably pretty easily like kit bash some your, yourself. If you wanted to, you have enough Imperial Guard bits. You yes, could pr seriously. probably pretty easily do this. I really love the fact that so much of like the kit is held together with the same like fucking bindings and shit they put around their arms to hold their armor on like the leg joints of these motherfuckers are held together with literal duct tape yeah so if there's a stiff breeze their walker's probably gonna explode uh, but uh they did a that's great the job telling a story with each of these models though oh yeah these are they honestly they feel a little orky to me like this is the the cobbled together bullshit that you would get from like some grots or something but i love the idea of trying to squ though. i love the idea of trying to squeeze an orc onto one of these because it would it, you put put some checks and dags on it and this is an orc vehicle yeah and more daca definitely need some guns on the front of it yeah there's no guns on these there's one dude with an auto gun i mean i guess the orc could just like hold the gun that would work too. They sit on these so weird. Have you paid attention to how they're sitting on them? Yeah, it kind of like looks like they're kneeling down on them almost. Yeah, they have like a weird like crossbar on the back that their legs are hanging on to. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like a, looks, it's like the seat of a crotch rocket. I'm about to say it looks like if they hit a really hard bump that uh, they're gonna go a little bit numb in some delicate areas. I feel like if they're gonna hit a hard bump. This whole fucking thing's gonna fall apart. 
that's also true. They'll go numb in a lot of areas <laughs> yeah. when they fall down. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's your next? What's another one of the cool things that were on there, Andrew? Hmm. Well, I guess we can go straight into some chaos goodness. Not the big one, but uh, we do have some more looks at the World Eaters units that are coming early next year. There was some real cool shit in that reveal. Yeah, there was. So we can start off with, uh, they have their own bespoke cultists. So instead of just your basic uh, chaos cultists, they have guys called jackals. Uh, with a, a random H, because why not? Um, Gotta make jackals copyrightable. Exactly. Uh, every single one of them has some form of chain weapon. Uh, most of them have multiple yeah, chain say, most weapons. Most of them have two chain weapons. Yeah, so dual chain axes, chain swords. One person's got an eviscerator. Uh, there's... I think he's either a mutant or maybe an Ogryn, but the one jumbo guy who has like a chain glaive he, and also a big fucking flail. He doesn't have the doofy proportions of an Ogryn, though. Yeah, I think he might just be some kind of mutant. Yeah. just He's, he's just he, a, he's, a big he's fucking He's got mad guy. erectus erectus energy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, being being cornate guys, everything's smothered in skulls. The guy, the, the rictus erectus guy with the flail, the flail itself is a hollow fucking ball skulls. that is full of skulls. Um, the backstory on them is interesting. They all have these, uh, backpacks that are, like, these big vials full of blood. I assume that they use it as, like, a drug. And each one of them has eight drops of space marine blood in them, because why not, I guess? Uh, very silly, ridiculous corn-type bullshit, but I am here for it. Yeah. I love the chain punch dagger the one guy has. I think that's just neat. Yeah. Um... Apparently, it's got a big motor on the backside of it. There was, like, some Twitter controversy where it's like, oh, there's no engine. How is it supposed to spin? And it's like, you you just haven't seen the 360 of the models. Really? Yet, guys. Fucking space. It's space magic. Yeah, they're, they're drinking space marine blood to get swole. I mean, we don't really need to worry about it. Yeah. A, a chainsaw would not make a great melee weapon. It would clog after one hit. We don't need to worry about realism. Yeah. And I love that uh, if you look, all of those vials are pumped, like, directly into their fucking chests. Yeah, like, it's going straight into their heart, yeah, essentially. Yeah, god damn. Yeah, it's some, uh, some corn metal shit. Yes, it which, is. Which, uh, speaking of, the next thing they revealed are the eight bound, which is, hey, you know Chaos Possessed? What if we did that times eight? <laughs> Let's just get a space marine and bind him to eight demons and see what happens. Uh, Apparently you get even musclier. Yeah, these guys' guys. muscles have fucking muscles. They're, they're like, I don't know, imagine like 1980s era wrestlers and then put power armor on them. That's kind of the proportions we're getting. Uh, They're so muscly that their feet have teeth. Oh no, those are the exalted. Oh no no, the normal eight, who... the normal eight bound, they have teeth. Look at their boots; it's coming out of their boots. Oh, well, that's just some normal chaos shit. All of them have <laughs> random teeth coming out. <laughs> the of them. old feet teeth. Everybody loves feet teeth. I have I'm painting a foot tooth on a chaos knight right now. <laughs> Not at this exact moment. Today <laughs> I did though. Uh, but yeah, then they have the exalted ones, which are I'm, I'm assuming the even beefier boys who. Uh, the whole shtick is that they were, like, left in a sarcophagus and had to, like, battle the eight demons that were trying to possess them and win. But, like, the exalted guys look even more chaos-possessed, so it's like, did they win? or did I, I thought if they won, the demons didn't get to mutate them. But whatever, they're cool. They have fucking chainsaw hands, and it's awesome. Yeah, they do. Uh, the amount of teeth on these guys is weird. And that one it's dude has some, some fucking battle-hardened rhino feet, like, Christ almighty. Yeah, the guy with the chain glaive. Yeah. yeah. He's got... I don't the, like the, that model at all. 
the Changlave one's a little too much. He's got teeth on teeth on teeth on his armor, and he's got weird giant bear feet or something. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a strange one. But uh, all the rest of them look real fucking cool, yeah, and I'm the, real excited for World Eaters. The one that, I don't even know how to describe him, other than the guy with the buzzsaw hand and the fucking chain axe. Not the guy with the chainsaw hand of the chain axe, but the buzzsaw hand of the chain yeah, axe. Yeah, he's, he's got the circular yeah, saw on his hand. That's a goddamn awesome model and i love if you look at the painting the the armor is painted like muscle oh yeah it is oh let's yeah. see they have that on the other yeah guys? it's on it's on all of them i noticed it first on him i wonder if it's just a possessed or a an eight bound thing or if that's how they've done all the world oh stuff i, I didn't, I didn't realize I it was on the other eight bound either yeah maybe they did it because it's like the the demons are possessing them in their armor or something i'm not super sure because like either way that's really cool it's really subtle but once you notice it it makes that model super fucking cool yeah i just thought that was like reflections uh from the glossiness of the armor but no it's it's actually painted to look like muscle straight up painted to look like muscle that's really cool um yeah after that we're getting uh, hands do what his backpack has hands oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, these just more shit the more I look at them. They just have all kinds of crazy details. Uh, but uh, after that, we're also getting a brand new sculpt of the Chaos Lord on Juggernaut. Um, just a very solid, like, you know, this is a Chaos Cornate guy. You get your big fucking rhino donkey and you put a guy with a chainsaw on back. Boom, you got corn goodness. Please, please but, don't call uh, it a rhino donkey anymore. Why? It's just weird, man. I mean, it's kind of a rhino. And it's, it's accurate. Got... I know it's accurate. Either way. Uh, it's a really good update of the model, though. It definitely uh, proportions are significantly better. Uh, it probably weighs about, I don't know, a tenth as much as the old metal one does. Uh, as always, you could put one of those in a sock and bludgeon a man to death with it if you needed to. Um, yeah. And then they announced the, uh, the codex coming out they get some more pictures of angron you get a picture of the new uh demon prince model but that's you know 40k'd and corned out um people were bitching because they don't seem to have red butcher models which are apparently a horus heresy terminator thing but you know whatever they got tons of cool stuff so i think this will yeah, be yeah uh, the, the other stuff is way cooler though a real solid one for any corn or world eater specific players out there for 40k this is this one looks like it's going to be a bit of a slam dunk Oh, uh, I did forget a hobby progress while I was scrolling through War Comics. I think it <laughs> oh, yeah, I started a World Eaters army. <laughs> no, not World Eaters. Uh, I did order the Archon or Archaon Lord of the End Times on the horse. Oh, yeah. I the, love that fucking model. The made to order one for Warhammer yeah. Fantasy. Yeah, it's yeah, a cool yeah. model. So I ordered him. <laughs> well, while we're talking about chaos, uh, anything else jump out of the stream at you? Uh, the new Beastman hero looks neat yeah you can tell they didn't really uh have anything else for it but they're also getting a new battle tome so that's cool yep yep um Uh, they revealed the next arc of warhammer called the arcs of omen yeah they've been teasing that for a while but now they've like properly talked about it yeah the uh the first book is abaddon and it's going to be like boarding black arcs and stuff like that. And it's going to have a lot of the ship to ship combat, which I'm really excited about because that looks super fucking cool to me. 
Yeah, and as far as they explained it, Black Arcs are essentially Space Hulks that they've just taken over and put a shitload of guns on, as far as I can tell. Yeah, or Arcs of Omen, not Black Arcs. Sorry, Arcs of Omen are what the things actually are. Oh, yeah, Black Arcs are Dark or dark Elf things from Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, I was getting getting fucking Arcs of Omen, Black Arcs, and Blackstone Fortresses confused, I guess. Yeah, they have um, a lot of overlap. Yeah, but there's a there's a good bit of missions for it. They showed the table of contents. It's like 16 pages of um, fluff, and then 30 pages of new missions that are exclusively boarding actions. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that'll play mechanically, like halfway between 40k and kill team, maybe. Well, I th- it. I think they're going to be... There's no way they're 2,000-point games. There's just... No, God, no. It's going to be like a 500 it, or where you take I think almost it's gonna exclusively be, I think it's going to be 750 to 1,000, and I think it's going to be like old Zorn, Zone Mortalis did, which limits the base size units can be on. Yeah, like, I'm I, I'm not seeing stuff getting much larger than Terminators if you're doing, like, proper boarding action shit. Yeah, because all the pictures I've seen, I haven't seen anything larger than a 40 mil base. So you're going to leave out a lot of the more epic scale heroes and like big demons and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. You're going ship to ship cramped. It specifically calls out cramped hallways. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, This isn't kill team and boarding actions. Whole armies will smash through doors and clear corners. The twist. There's no room for bulky monsters or war machines, nor for burning rubber down tight corridors or taking to the skies in cramped hallways. Instead, oh, okay. infantry and elites take center stage, locked in a desperate battle for control. Uh, adapt to the close confines of a void ship, bring your best to survive point-blank fireflights and sudden ambushes. Okay, so yeah, not getting much bigger than Terminators then. Yeah. But, Which uh, I'm cool with, that sounds really fun. Yeah, seriously. Uh, let's see, so book two is of Arcs of Omen is Angron. So I'm assuming that's going to be right around the time that... Uh, fucking world eaters release probably coincide with it yeah yeah uh but andrew they they also released what book three is you you want to you want to take that one because i know you're a little excited about it yeah i got i got a little turnt for this one so uh they kind of teased it uh when they first started teasing the arcs of omen uh where i was thinking it was going to be like a dark mechanicus figure because it had kind of like that tech priest oh you mean you mean kerrigan from starcraft kind of a little bit character from starcraft yeah but way more like mechanical than biomechanical um but no it's not dark mechanicus however it is a demon that works incredibly closely with the dark mechanicus uh a demon with uh prospects of becoming the next chaos god we have vashtor the archifane who uh looks fucking awesome this is a rad model and this one model right here is where i'm like well i'm getting back into chaos space marines because this is cool as shit so when when i first saw it i didn't like it because of its face the more i've looked at it the creepier and less human it is and the more i like it yeah like they did a really really good job of making it like that biomechanical fusion because um uh they did a, a like a two and a half minute lore blurb about it with uh, uh wade price discussing it talking about how like the way to summon him into the material plane you have to sacrifice like a mixture of flesh and and like like mechanical bits so he can form his mechanical body with the fleshy exterior it's really gross and creepy um but he's not a demon prince because he's and he's not associated with any specific chaos god right, he's like he, a he was never immortal 
Yeah, so he's never a mortal that was ascended. Uh, he was never like part of any of the big forest pantheons. He is a kind of a neutral demon that's trying to make his own way. And the way they described him is he's like the arms dealer of chaos. So like he's the guy who runs the soul forge where they make the demon engines. That's where you get your defilers and your forge fiends and your mauler fiends and your venom crawlers and all that cool stuff. Any of like the chaos possessed, like the demon possessed tanks and stuff like that, they come from him. So I I really like that idea because uh, demon engines have always been one of my favorite chaos things. I just love the idea of a big fucking tank that's being possessed by a demon and has like arms and shit coming out of it. Uh, which is why I was like, oh well, I guess I'm getting back into chaos space marines, and I guess I should focus on a faction that deals with that sort of thing, i.e., the Iron Warriors. So uh, we're gonna have this big boy leading my uh, my nice fucking dirty metal hazard striped boys here in the near future because this is a rad model he's he's a day one purchase for sure it's cool as fuck i'm I'm curious how big that model is because i think that's on uh, one of the big armager bases yeah like he's probably not quite like bloodthirster big because he's got big wings but i don't i don't think he's quite that huge i think he might be like in between like abaddon the despoiler and maybe a greater demon yeah i could be totally wrong though because they haven't put them side by side by anything yeah because remember we thought that with that weird tyranid model too though the yeah. parasite or whatever we thought it was gonna be like hive tyrant size motherfuckers like a gargoyle he's tiny yeah 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 i thought he was just describing him in the lore he seemed like he'd be a big one but yeah, yeah. no i mean it could be the same thing with him he could be way smaller or way bigger than we think so what's really interesting is that uh that chest plate dangly thing he has is really, really, really similar to Nork Deadogs, the Ogrens. Oh, yeah, like the tank tread design? Yeah, but that's also the same style that is on the Knights. Yeah. So that's the well, same paneling that goes over, like, the Knights, like, codpiece and stuff like that is that, but that's just way longer. So if it's like that, the one that goes over Big Knights is, like, four of those. But if, yeah, it's the same, if it's the same size that is on Nordedog, his is three of those, and he's decently tall, so... I get the feeling he's probably a little smaller than a knight, so I don't... And, and you know, the whole shtick of having to sacrifice machine parts as well as flesh to build him, this could just be some random chaos shit, because, like, the top part looks like it might be, like, a chunk of a Venom Crawler's carapace or something, and that's, See, that's definitely what, not the whole I wasn't thing. sure if that's what it was or if that was uh, the back piece of a war dog. It could be, yeah. Like, there's some very, like, knight-ish stuff. But then again, he's also the guy who runs the Soul Forge. So, like, when they corrupt, like, knights, he, they, they take him to him and his minions. So, you know, he yeah, might just I, have a lot of that aesthetic to him. He's probably going to be a little... If I had a guess, I think he's going to be a little bit bigger than the new Demon Prince model. Probably. He, he strikes me as bigger than a Demon Prince, but smaller than a greater demon. Yeah. But uh, the new Demon Prince is pretty chunky, though, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, Vashtor the Archifane, really cool model. Really excited for him. Mm-hmm. And between that and World Eaters, I'm I'm gonna 2023 is gonna be the year of chaos for me, hard as well as Slaves to Darkness. So I'm gonna be painting Spiky Boys for a bit. Slaves to Darkness are still chaos. You're still good. Oh no, yeah, no. I just I gotta get my fantasy flavor as well as my sci fantasy flavor. Oh man, uh, there have been a couple of other previews since then as well, though. Yeah, they've showed uh, on Warcom. Yeah, uh, they actually had one today that looks super fun. Yeah, uh, you want you want to talk about him since you're our, for, our green guy? 
for our favorite super easy and super fun to learn game, Blood Bowl, we have a new star player coming out. Well, actually, he's an old one, but we get a new sculpt of him. And we're getting Nobla Blackwart. He is a uh, chainsaw-wielding loony who is just, you know, essentially kind of a sniper for your team. You you go after the other guy's star players or their big guys and take them out as quickly as possible before your chainsaw gets sent off for bringing an illegal weapon on the field but he gets uh, special rules where he can chainsaw people while they're down and not get sent off the field for one extra turn. So he, he'll hang in a little bit longer than your average chainsaw-wielding loony. And this is just a, like all Blood Bowl star players, really characterful model, really fun oh, yeah. pose, uh, reminiscent of his original 90s sculpt, but just, you know, updated and really cool looking. His little fucking screwdrivers to work on his chainsaw on his belt and his uh, yeah. clearly, like, Judge Dredd-inspired helmet. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely got a lot of that late 80s influence to his design, and yeah. I love it so much. I, I, I'm always here for fucking new Blood Bowl stuff. It's Between this and Fungus Daloon and a couple of other goblin models they released, the, the odds of me getting a goblin t- team just increase exponentially every month. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they also, for Blood Bowl, uh, Dungeon Bowl supplement called yeah. Deathmatch. So I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, it's I'm always pleasantly surprised anytime they release any kind of Blood Bowl anything, just because it's one of those those specialist games where they don't do much, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Here's twelve things for it." Yeah, it's uh, it's got a College of Life team that is halflings and wood elves, which is just a beautiful little box, and it's got the College of Death team, which are undead and fun dead. Gotta have the fun dead. Yeah. So you get uh, you get both Frankenstein's mummies, whites, and fucking jack o' lanterns. Yeah, and this is this would also just be a really good way to supplement any undead teams you already had without having mm. to buy like a full blown kit for both of them too. Yeah, no this this looks like it will be fun as hell. Um, I don't I don't know how it compares to normal Dungeon Bowl. It doesn't really say to me. Totally we still right. need to actually play Dungeon Bowl we so we do. get a vibe for it's it. Si- it's sitting on the shelf behind me. We should we should do that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that'd be a fun thing to do. Just take a day and sit down and learn how to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really just want to see how your average halfling goes up against a mummy lord, though, just to see yeah, how... Yeah, th- those two teams seem very one-sided, because uh, halflings are bad. It's definitely going, like, full passing dodging versus full fucking squishy, punchy guys. But uh, I just want to see how big of a red smear a halfling would make when it inevitably failed against a mummy lord or a flesh golem. <laughs> Probably a short one. Ha Um. Yes. Let's see. <laughs> After the Dungeon Bowl supplement, we're getting even more Necromunda weirdos. Yeah, we, we are. But this one's uh, less weird as far as the weirdos go. We are getting uh, Necromundan royalty. We are getting Lady Hera Helmar, who is the daughter of Lord Helmar, the guy who runs the entire goddamn world of Necromunda. Uh, this is like. Very like, if if you didn't know that this was Necromunda, I would think this is an Inquisitor model. Yeah, this is a super cool Inquisitor model, even though it has a weird cat butt. Ah, well, you know. Uh, yeah, she's got like these huge flowing robes to the point where she has servo skulls that are hauling the tail behind her. Uh, giant like, like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a hoop skirt, but made of armor. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's it's very like renaissance era french looking yeah it kind of looks like um 
Beauty and the Beast's, like, Belle's, like, ball gown, but fucking Necromunda, so it's covered in armor and spikes and shit. It's avant-garde, but guard is spelt for protection. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, she has a power sword and some kind of really cool spear that has, like, a built-in teleportation uh, thing in it, so whenever she throws it, it'll come back to her, like fucking Thor. Uh, I imagine she's got insane amounts of armor and insane amounts of redundancies to keep her alive, being, you know, a rich person on Necromunda. Uh, I assume this comes out with the most recent, or it ties in with the most recent book that came out, uh, Cinderac Burning. So I don't really know what gang would get to take her, I guess. Bounty hunters, maybe? I don't know. Unless they're going to release um, spire hunters, which are just nobles who go down to the underhives to kill people for fun. Oh, God, I hope that if they do, I hope they don't break the game like they used to. Well, you know, that's what happens when you have a gang that has a shitload of money versus gangs that don't. But eh. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Better in every way. True sociopath. Backstabbing murderer. Sounds like necromunda to me. Uh, scroll to the end of the blurb. Yeah, it's not saying who she can be taken with, so maybe she's some kind of like neutral entity or something. Who knows, man? But either way, really cool model. Excited to see how she can play in the game. Um, I don't really know if you'd get people who are too much more upgunned than, you know, the actual royalty of the planet, though. So she'd be a beast for pretty much anybody to go against, I'm sure. Yeah. Then uh, we got more Necromundo. These are definitely the weird weirdos. And this is the corpse harvesting party. Yeah. These models. Holy shit. Like, there, there's two of the guys who are very nicely sculpted corpse grinders. Uh, one of which is dragging most of a body on a meat hook. You know, for which, fun. Yeah. For Snacks whatever. for later. Uh, you have the, the fucking, your classic servo skull. The, yeah, uh, uh, what is the lady's name? The Pale Consort. Yeah, Pale Consort. Which they've had is... art of this character for ages in the Necromunda books, and I've always thought mm. it would make a really cool model, and I was right. Yeah. Then you get the fucking Scrivener, the Bone Scrivener. Yeah, Which that's is cool... this short, pudgy, bird-beaked, horrifying-looking fucking guy. Kind of like, uh, Danny DeVito if he was part of the Corpse Grinder Guild. <laughs> yeah. He's even got a great penguin mask. Yeah. Uh, and it comes with probably the creepiest servo skull we've ever fucking seen, because it's cutting apart a body. Yeah, it's kind of like a, I don't know, auto vivisector or something. That's, yeah. That one's pretty gnarly, even for Warhammer stuff. But man, this is great. I, uh, I also love that the Corpse Grinder guys are wearing fucking, like, elbow-length gloves. Yeah. You know... Because they don't want to get the blood on their shirtless selves. I mean, look at the guy on the on the bottom who's carrying the half a body. Like, look at the blending yeah. on that glove. That's it's, insane. It's amazing. Because it's, it's, well, it's, it's on the other like, guy, too. Yeah, it's just not quite as prominent just because he has darker skin. But, yeah, man, it, just, like, the blending to get that to look like fucking thin neoprene. Is... It's amazing. It got some really is. Crazy people working over at the heavy metal team. Yeah, they do. But yeah, this is a really cool Necromunda Weirdo kit. Yeah, this is a great Necromunda Weirdo kit. Like, I I don't know if I'll ever play with a Corpse Grinder consort gang, but I just want them from a shelf. These are really cool models. Because yeah. this is and one then, of the neutral ones where you don't have to play Corpse Grinders to take them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Corpse Guild. It's the people who collect the corpses. Yeah, they're, they're not the corn-corrupted ones yet, but... Uh, 
Yeah, they they can get hired on because you know there's going to be meat pretty much anywhere in Necromunda, and they want to get it. Yeah. And there was one more reveal uh, that also came out today, and that is the Aegis defense line for the Imperial Guard. Yeah, this and was this was an old kit that they just revamped, right? Yeah. The so I kind of like the old kit better. Because the old kit looked like something they would bring and deploy on the battlefield. Yeah. This looks way more like it was there and they'd use it. Yeah, because the old kit was more reminiscent of, like, the uh, the barricades that came with the Kill Team Kriegers, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it looked like something that would be, like, pulled up and deployed. Yeah. Yeah, this definitely looks like something that they built a couple of weeks ahead of time. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, it's still a beautiful fucking kit. It's yeah, great. Yeah, this is... Perfect scatter looks, terrain. It looks very large, too. Yeah, because there's a Cadian Command Squad on that central platform, so that means it's a pretty yeah. chunky little piece. Yeah, and those guys are on 28 mils, so that's, yeah. a, that's a significant chunk. Yeah, and that means that line goes for probably, what, foot and a half or something like that worth of wall? Probably, give or take. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a solid one to add to pretty much any terrain collection. Adds a lot of great special rules. It either gives minus one to hit or wound. I can't remember which. And then it's like defensible, light cover. Um, oh, and the other one where you can like stand firm behind it and a bunch of other stuff. Is that guard specific or just whoever it, it has is, it? It is guard specific. It is a fortification in their book like a hammerfall bunker. Oh, or the, that's cool. uh, the workshop or the shield line and stuff like that. Those things that nobody take because they're too yeah. much points. Yeah. Oh, uh, here we go. Each time a ranged attack is allocated to a model while receiving the benefits, worsen the armor penetration by one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Make it where uh, you might have a vague hope of surviving a plasma gun. <laughs> hey, man, if you're shooting plasma gun at my guard, be my guest. Yeah, you're probably already screwed up if that's happening. Or you have nothing else to kill. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so that's pretty much everything out of Warcom. Uh, right? Well, there was one last big thing, which is going to lead into our topic, I think, which was... Oh, a, yeah, uh, dirt. Uh, a, a big look into Black Library books coming in 2023. That's right. I forgot all about those. Oh, yeah. There's also some Horus Heresy bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Horus Heresy bullshit we care about is uh, the beginning of the end of the Horus Heresy book series. Yes. We are getting The End and the Death, Volume 1 and 2, which is uh, Horus getting killed, Sanguinius getting killed, and the Emperor essentially getting killed, but not quite. But in, like, you know, a thousand pages. And it's being written by Dan Abnett. Which is always a good choice. And man, that is a really nice special edition. And I do not have $200 I want to spend on one book. But it's really nice. It, it's beautiful looking, man. Yeah, like a proper leather-bound tome. Mm -hmm. They have not actually given a price point, but I'm assuming it's like $200. Usually those are around 150 to 2 and they sell out within seconds. Oh, yeah. And this one comes with a really nice like commemorative map and all kinds of shit. So this is they're making an event out of this one. Yeah, man, that is beautiful. I'm I'm caught up in this series, so I'm eagerly awaiting these. I am like a hundred pages into book two, so hopefully I can actually knuckle down and get these read before these books come out. Yeah, they're they're good. They're very good. Specifically, the Siege of Terror. I'm not reading the whole Horus Heresy series. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. Yep, uh, a book that's made specifically for me. We're getting <laughs> yeah. a Gitz book called Bad Loon Rising, which A, love the pun, and yeah, B, fantastic. it's got a 
It's got a picture of a trog on the front, and that's really all I need. Yeah, it's got a picture of a trog. It's a pun. It's everything that's right down Andrew's fucking alley. It's going to be real fucking silly, and that's okay with me. Uh, uh, we're getting first founding, which uh, I, I don't really know what it's about. It, it literally just says... Nine chapters remain loyal to the Emperor this side of the Horus Heresy. Discover the challenges wrestling with in the wake of the Cicatrix Maledictum opening, which that's when the galaxy was ripped in half. Yeah, when the Eye of Terror exploded. Yeah. Uh, looks it's a, like It's a pretty book. Yeah, it looks like a combination of like lore about the chapters and then like some special illustrations for them. So it might just be like a cool lore tome, essentially. Yeah, there's, uh, there's another Guy Haley book coming out that I bet you're excited about. Oh, which one was that? Scarsnick. Oh, that's an old one, actually. That's a reprint. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so back when, like, 15 episodes ago when we did a uh, our lore blurb about our favorite uh, Warhammer Fantasy guys, that's the book where a lot of that information came from. Oh, huh. Yeah. Uh, I missed the Macarian Crusades Angel of Fire, so I might pick that up. There's uh, Angels of Darkness, which is also a reprint, I believe. 20th anniversary. Jesus. So, yes, definitely a reprint. Definitely. <laughs> uh, we're getting a new book about Cypher, everybody's favorite edgelord dark angel with his two pistols. Uh, looks like it's what happens to him after he gets captured uh, in the, the Golden Palace after his adventures with uh, Robot Gilliman. So that, that could be fun. Um, uh, we're getting a new Soul Blight novel. Uh, I think that's supposed to be the, like, half-dragon lady. And, like, what happens to her. Sure. Yeah, that model that's uh, real close to being cool, but ends up being very much not. Uh, new Adeptus Roradas book, whatever. Uh, we get a new Gotrek book, which those are always worth a laugh. They're, they're yeah. pretty fun. Uh, not necessarily the most, you know, high art, but just fun pulpy action for sure. And then uh, we're, we're Ashes of Cadia. Yeah, Ashes of Cadia about uh, Ursula Creed. Ursacar's Creed daughter, so that ought to be an interesting read. Yeah, we gotta get some lore on her, because some people, you know, shitty people, were pretty butthurt about her being one of the big people for uh, Astra Militarum after Creed disappeared, so it'd be fun to yeah. see her adventures for sure. God, if I wish, like, I, I want Armageddon to not be super expensive, because that book is fucking beautiful. Is that on the page? I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, it's, it's right below Creed. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Also so, a reprint? Uh, yeah, it is... If I'm not mistaken, it is Hell's Reach and, like, three short stories. Oh, yeah. They're showing the interior art and the side mm -hmm. on the spine. Yeah, that's really cool. Also getting yeah. a really cool-looking Word Bearers collection, which nobody likes Word Bearers, but that's a cool-looking <laughs> book series. Yeah. And then uh, some extra then maps just, uh, that you can buy. Yeah, from Warhawk. Yeah, more more cool stuff of the Siege of Terra. So, One of them yeah. has a Titanicus logo on it. What map is that? Um, let's see. Mercury Exultant Kill Zone. I think that might be one of the, ba the main Garmin, walls of the maybe? palace. Oh, maybe. Okay. No beta Not Garmin super sure. Titan stuff yeah, uh, it's, yeah. A, it's taken at kind of a weird angle, so it's hard to tell what the map's of. I've definitely got a fucking stay on top of when that damn Armageddon book comes out. Cause, oof, yeah, that's going to get... Super, super sold out super quickly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a, that's a really good segue into the topic that Andrew and I would like to talk about a little today. Um, we've both been in this hobby for a while. 
and longer than either of us have been in this hobby has been the Black Library. What the Black Library? By a significant margin. Uh, ninety-seven, I think. So only yeah. only beat me by about three years. Beat me by about thirteen years. But that was when the Black Library came around, where GW put all of their books in one thing. Uh, there was always short stories and Warhammer books before that, since uh, 1987, I believe, is when the first ones came around. Give or take, uh, yeah. yeah. Since 1997, the bulk of background literature has been published by Black Library. So anything pre that is just going to say, like, Warhammer 40,000 novel or Warhammer fantasy novel. So Andrew and I knew there were a lot of books that the Black Library had published. Um, we didn't realize just quite how many. We knew it was well over 100 or 200, but Andrew, how many How many books was it? So for just Warhammer 40,000... Just uh, 40,000. Not including the stuff that's coming out soon that we just talked about, not including the stuff that's probably just been released this week, uh, somewhere in the ballpark of 625? So a couple. There's a couple of books. Just a few, around. yeah. <laughs> not including Warhammer Fantasy, not including Age of Sigmar, not including the stuff not published by Black Library. Yeah. Not including Blood Bowl, not including... Well, I guess it has the Necromunda stuff in here. It had the Necromunda stuff in here. Yeah, that does technically count as 40k, so... Yeah, so I've read a lot of books. Andrew's read a lot of books. We've barely scratched the surface of 40k novels. But that being said, in my experience, there are a lot of... um middling black library books so we're going to give you some recommendations on some good ones today yes so i think the easiest way to do this will be are there any series that have popped out that you've enjoyed like if if you if someone were to go hey i want to read some warhammer lore what would you recommend what book would you recommend or series would you recommend to them Well, I would say a really digestible, easy one to get started with for complete newbies who only have like a vague idea of the setting uh, and not much of a book commitment would be the Eisenhorn series where you follow the adventures of Inquisitor Eisenhorn and how he starts off as a very like puritanical inquisitor and over the course of his career becomes much more radical, uh, gives a really good idea of what the Imperium's like, what chaos is like, uh, how grim and horrifying the setting is, and it's only a four-book commitment with the most recent one. Right. Now, that does also branch off into the uh, Beckwin trilogy and also the Ravener trilogy. Right. So if they like it, they have a lot more to go off of with these characters they already are familiar with. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. The Eisenhorn series is fantastic. It's uh, The first book is Xenos, I believe. Yeah. It's uh, Xenos Hereticus Malus, or is it Xenos Malus Hereticus? I can never remember that exactly. Neither can I. One of those two. <laughs> yeah, uh, which each of those three things are the branches of the Inquisition. It's Ordo Xenos, which is against aliens, Ordo Malus, which is against demons, Ordo Hereticus, which is against heretics and witches. Which kind of goes hand in hand with Malleus, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. But what uh, what's really good about it is it's told from the perspective of a human. So it's really relatable to people who are looking to get into the lore. It's also kind of like a mystery crime style book that's really pulpy. Yeah. A lot of good action in it. A lot of good, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whodunit type stuff. Um, yeah. 
His warband is really small, so you can actually focus on a very set group of characters because a lot of Inquisitors have like whole organizations they deal with. Whereas he gets like what six, maybe eight, really. Yeah, he has like a core group of six or seven, and then you end up getting like maybe five ancillary characters that stick around for a book or two. But yeah, it's it's enough that it's it's very focused. And it doesn't suffer from Game of Thrones syndrome, where everybody's fucking name is almost the goddamn same. Yeah, you know what? What white guy with brown beard are we going to talk to talk about today? Yeah, Vasarius, Vesuvius, Vesanius, Vasarius, Vescanius. <laughs> that's God a lot of. Damn that's it, a lot of the Targaryens specifically. Yeah, still, but. man, fucking makes that shit unreadable. Yeah, well, still good books overall. <laughs> Fair, uh, but yeah, that's that's also earlier work by Dan Abnett, so it's it's definitely a little crunchier than some of his new stuff. It doesn't quite flow as well as some of his newer books do. Yeah, he's, uh, I actually have his page brought up on the Black Library website. He has 107 Black Library credits at this point, so uh, he's had some time to refine his writing style. Uh, he also wrote for Marvel for quite a while. He and, did? Uh, yeah, for Guardians of the Galaxy specifically. In fact, uh, the arc they made the movies off of was one of the arcs he wrote. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of these people do have uh, jobs other than just Games Workshop. Yeah. Most of these are very prolific um, sci-fi writers who also are British and love Warhammer, which yep. apparently cool. every British person knows what Warhammer is and loves it dearly. Well, at this point, I think it might be about a fourth of their economy, so they kind of need to. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. I do need to read the Beckwin novels. I've heard really good things about them, but I haven't actually I... gotten around to them yet. I read the second one the other day, and oh man, it's so good. The twist in it is mind-bogglingly good, and I cannot um, fucking wait for the third one. Because Beckwin is one of his hangers-on, who ends up being one of his most trusted confidants, and uh, 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 Eisenhorn is a psyker, and she's a null, so they have kind of that, like, you know, initial conflict of, like, oh, I can't be around you without experiencing pain, but then eventually it's like, oh, well, on top of you being very useful as a null, you're actually just a really good friend and confidant, so they have uh, kind of some fun back and forth with that in just the Eisenhorn books, so I'm interested to see her perspective on things. Yeah. And then uh, another good one that I would recommend for beginners is uh, the Cyphus Kane novels. Yes. Cyphus Kane, Hero of the Imperium. It's uh, it's written kind of, um, it's not, it's kind of written like a biography. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, as a commissar, Cyphus Kane, who is accidentally a fucking great hero. Yeah, so, like, the basic shtick is, at heart, he's a fucking coward, but he keeps stumbling his way into situations where people think he's this big damn hero, and it just kind of keeps snowballing, where he's just like, oh god, I cannot fucking fill these boots. Oh my god, everybody thinks I'm a huge hero, but this shit keeps happening to me. And it's really funny. Yeah, and it's every time that he's trying to escape, something goes wrong. Like, early in the first book, he's with an artillery regiment, and Tyranids start to overrun the line, and he takes his uh, his aide, Jerrigan, and, like, mounts him up in a truck. He's like, we're getting the fuck out of here. And turns around and starts to drive away and literally is fleeing the battlefield, which, you know, is something that commissars execute people for. And he ends up finding the the synapse creature, the hive tyrant, and all that stuff, and accidentally fighting off and killing it, thus saving everyone. And they're like, oh, he's a tactical genius. He knew it was going to be behind us, and he was able to, to fend it off. And he's like, yeah, that's 
what I was doing. I definitely, definitely. wasn't running away. Definitely not a coward, y'all. <laughs> but it's it's just shit like that, and it's it's a really fun kind of comedy esque series. Well, if you want to talk about like the the more pulpy action, like that is just it's comedy and just action. It's it's like yeah. it veers wildly between funny bits and just pure bolter porn. Yeah, uh, bolter porn is going to be something you hear Andrew and I say a lot. It's uh, it's the Warhammer version of machine gun porn. Yeah, it is the, the catch-all for kind of brainless action. Sometimes it's yeah. good, most of the time it's not. Yeah. Um, the other really good intro series is Gaunt Ghost. Yes, that's it's, it's another, another one that's series. from the perspective of basic humans, which is a really good one for new, yeah. new beginners. That That's the best starting point for Warhammer. And Probably. They're, the Gaunt's Ghost books are written like military novels. They're very Tom Clancy-esque. Yeah. Um, it's about a, a group of Imperial Guardsmen fighting their way through the Sabbat worlds. Great character development. You get really, really attached to these characters. Uh, it's, it's very Band of Brothers meets Game of Thrones, because motherfuckers drop like flies. Yeah, very, very Warhammer. It's grimdark. Yeah. A lot of, lot of uh, people you care about dying horribly. Yeah. But that's that's a fantastic other starting point. What are, They're up to what, 14 books now? Something like that? Ooh, I think it's actually more than that, but I think he's done with the, the Gaunt Ghost stuff. Like the series is done or he's done writing it? I believe the series is done. Because uh, okay. the, the Anarch came out in 2019, and there's not really much he can do past that. Fair enough. I have not read it. I, I, I'm maybe three books into the series. I kind of got sidetracked with it and never came back to it. But I did oh. enjoy what I'd read a lot. So, hands down, my favorite book out of the series. Uh, hold on, there's two, four, six, eight. There's 15 of them. Uh, but my favorite book is book three, Necropolis. Okay. Uh, it's where you you it's on the planet uh, where you meet like the Vervenhivers. Um, it's it's basically a city fight in a collapsing hive. Maybe I'd only gotten to the first two books then because I don't remember that. So yeah, what it sounds like is I need to go back and finish good. those. Yeah, because I I got the solid. omnibus, the first omnibus. So it's uh, the first three or four books. Uh, yeah, that's going to be first and only Ghostmaker and Necropolis. Second one is Honor Guard, Guns of Tannis, and Straight Silver. Then Sabbat General, Traitor, sorry, Sabbat Martyr, Traitor General, Last Command. Uh, then Armor of Contempt, Only Death, Blood Pact. And then Salvation's Reach, Warmaster, and Anarch. Actually, um, I think it's Traitor General. Traitor General is another really fucking good one. It's uh, basically Gaunt and a small, like, I think it's two squads of guys infiltrate a chaos uh, planet that's been taken over by chaos and it's a guerrilla war okay that one's really good uh, i have to get back to it for sure and that's another good thing about a lot of these warhammer series the ones that have been going on for uh, a little bit longer is they come out in these very handy omnibus books which you get yes. you know 900 plus pages of warhammer novels and you can like read a good chunk of them all at bucks. once yeah it's a good value for if you just want you know several nights worth of reading yeah, what's uh, what's another one you recommend, Andrew? Another series or book? Okay, well, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Aaron Dembski Bowden's Black Legion series, which is uh, fucking incredible. It honestly might be my favorite Warhammer series I've read so far because it's told 
uh, from the perspective of Chaos Traders uh, after the Horus Heresy failed, but before the Black Legion properly becomes its thing and before Abaddon the Despoiler like riles up the Chaos guys and starts uniting them again. Uh, and it's essentially that happening, like him him getting back his chutzpah after getting every, everybody getting killed in the Horus Heresy. And it follows the perspective of uh, Thousand Sun Sorcerer uh, with his own ship. And they're just like, you know, roving bands of pirates and stuff like a lot of Chaos Marines are. But like, you know, they still have a lot of the drive of like space marines of like brotherhood and wanting to have greater meaning to their existence, but they've been missing that sort of thing in the Eye of Terror. Uh, and it's a really interesting look at the other side, other than just you know, you know, blood for the blood god and that type shit. I mean, they even have um, a world eaters guy who. Uh, talks about that where he's like yeah no i'm driven to kill because of the butcher's nails in my brain all the time but that's not what i want i just have to do that so it's it's a really interesting look at i don't know i guess the psychology of like a, a space marine but one that's not bound to the imperium and all of the you know ritual and stuff in, involved with that it's a really cool book series it's only two books so far and it left off where it's pretty obvious they're eventually going to do a third book. And if they do, I really hope they do it soon because it's really well written and really good. I, uh, I thought there was a third. Is there not? If there's not, if there is, it just came out then because uh, so far, as far as I'm aware, it's just Talon of Horus and Black Legion. Uh, Yeah, just the two books so far. Okay, so Talon, yeah. of, Talon of Horus in 2014 and Black Legion in 2017. There was a short story called Extinction. Ah, okay. Um, that takes place before Talon of Horus. Yeah, and so far I'm not seeing any immediate plans for them to make another ones, but hopefully they do, because yeah. it's really good and really feels like there's more to it. Yeah, I've heard really good things, but I haven't I haven't read it yet. It's well worth picking up. Uh, very very easy read. Um, really cool characters. Really cool chaosy shit. Liked it a lot. Highly recommend. One of uh, one of the ones that I can't recommend enough. In fact, I've recommended to our gaming group, and three people have read it within the past two months. And that is also an Aaron Dembski Bowden book, which you're going to hear a couple of these names a lot. Uh, the the big ones, the big authors in my book are, heck, get it in my book, are Aaron Dembski Bowden, yeah. uh, Dan Abnett, uh, Gav Thorpe, and then. Probably, Nick Kime has some good stuff. Guy so Haley has some good stuff, although he could be a little dry every now and yeah, again. Guy, Guy Haley's uh, Bane Blade and Shadow Sword novels were both fantastic. Gav Thorpe can be pretty good as well. Yeah, Gav Thorpe's had some misses for me though. I'd say if you had to pick two, uh, if you want, uh, Dan almost Abnett and ADB all yeah, fucking day. Almost certainly a good read. Dan Abnett, Aaron Dimsky Bowden. Yeah, and then and then Gav Thorpe's right behind that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, sorry. The the one that I always recommend, if people know a little bit about the lore, know the the universe some is Hell's Reach. It's by Aram Dembski Bowden. It takes place on Armageddon. It's the third war for Armageddon, and it is um, Grimaldus of the Black Templars is the main character of the book. You also have Andrej of the Armageddon Steel Legion, so you get some from the human point of view. You get some from the uh, Crone of Invigilatica, Crone of Invigilatica or something like that, right? 
Why does that sound weird? I just read the book. You'd think I'd remember, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, the big Titan Legion. Yeah, but uh, you, you get some from her perspective. You get some from a tech Marine's perspective. You get some from civilian perspectives. And it's it's a really solid book. You even get some from a Sisters of Battle perspective. Uh, and they're fighting off an orc, the, the biggest orc invasion the, that planet has ever seen. And will continue to ever see, because it just doesn't kind of, it doesn't really stop after that. Yeah. But that's one of those one of those books that is it's a lot of action it is a lot of bolter porn in it but it's also a very good story tying it all together yeah that's what i would describe as good bolter porn because it's an action novel but not just like here's 50 pages of killing xenos because i didn't know what to write for the story like some people do sorry um yeah uh so hell's reach fantastic book um what do do you have any any series you would recommend andrew any other series um well, I guess we can f- sprinkle in some non-40K stuff, and I can just yeah. recommend the Gotrek and Felix series as a whole. Um, yeah. It started in Warhammer Fantasy, but has since transitioned into Age of Sigmar, where you follow the adventures of Gotrek Gurnison, who is a, uh, a dwarf slayer who is trying to die a glorious death, and uh, Felix... As you do. The hell is Felix's last name? I forget. Oh, I can never remember. Yeah, because he's not the fun one. Like, he's there, he does cool stuff, but Gotrick is what you're there for. Fuck, give me two seconds. Yeah. Gotrick and Felix. Felix Jaeger. Jaeger! Yes, because everything's faux-Germanic in Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, so Felix Jaeger is a poet that uh, drunkenly swore to chronicle his death, and so he... Uh, you don't make an oath to Gotrick and not keep it, so he's just along for the ride until Gotrick dies, which, uh, spoiler, he kind of doesn't. He makes it all the way to the end times, and then the world explodes, and then he shows up in Age of Sigmar. But um, there's like, I want to say 25 books or something in the Slayer series where he's just hewing his, hewing his way through every horrible monstrosity in the Warhammer universe. Uh, and Felix is along for the ride and does actually eventually become kind of a, a good warrior in his own right. He kind of has to be to survive being around Gotrick all the time. Uh, and Gotrick, being the incredible badass that he is, can't die. And so he's just constantly looking for more and more tough things. And by like book six, he's already slain a bloodthirster and he's trying to kill a chaos corrupted dragon. And it's just getting wackier and wackier as time goes on. Um, We're also constantly being uh, harangued by one of Tony's favorite characters, uh, Thanquil from the Skaven. Um, He's got like... There's 39 Gotrick stories. Jesus Christ. I thought it was a little less than that, but wow. From 1999 to 2021. Yeah. Cause they've, I guess they've released like f- four or five just in the age of Sigmar setting now. There's six omnibuses and yeah. each omnibus is between four and six books. Yeah. And they all start off. Uh, they all have, most of them have Slayer in the name, so it starts off Troll Slayer, Skaven Slayer, Skaven Skaven Slayer, Dragon Slayer. That's a weird jump, Troll to Skaven. That seems backwards as fuck. Well, he kills a shitload of Skaven. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they're just really fun, pulpy action books. Uh, Gotrick's a fun character. You eventually learn his backstory on why he took the Slayer Oath and why he feels compelled to die a glorious death. Uh, it's really cool. And then they end up uh, hoving their way through the, the setting and meeting up with a bunch of your favorite heroes from various factions, such as Thinkwill. Um, so it's just kind of a cool, like, hey, I know that guy sort of thing, as well as having fun action. So if you just want something fun and light, those are pretty solid books. 
Um, the most recent one I read was Git Slayer, which is a Age of Sigmar specific one where he's fighting. Hey, guess what? Glooms by Gits. And uh, I thought that was a zombie pretty... Slayer as well. Yeah, which that seems a little down. I haven't actually read that one. Uh, uh, that is in the fourth. It is the fourth book in the fourth omnibus. They are going after the necromancer Heinrich Kimmler, who is actually a pretty powerful necromancer. So that makes sense. But uh, yeah, really fun one. Just, you know, a little, little bit of all kinds of Warhammer Fantasy flavor sprinkled throughout that series. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a fun series. I wonder if it's on... Um, Audible? Audible. Yes, some of them are. Uh, there are okay. some short stories that were voiced by uh, Brian Blessed, of all people. So you get some really over-the-top readings of Godric Gernison. Like, he goes <laughs> ham on it, and it's hilarious. Interesting. Uh, you can find some audio clips of it on YouTube if you want to listen to it. It's really funny. Uh, uh, in the uh, in the Warhammer fantasy side of things, I've only really read a handful of books, but one of the trilogies I read I really enjoyed, and spoiler alert, it's Bretonian. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Knights of Bretonia by Anthony Reynolds. It's three books, Knight Errant, Knight of the Realm, and... Um, I know it's four books, sorry. Knight Errant, Knight of the Realm, Questing Knight, and Grail Knight. And it basically follows... I cannot remember the fucking dude's name. It's some French's shit name because they're Bretonian knights. Follows his rise basically from Squire to a Knight of the Grail and all the things he does, questing and taking care of his lands and stuff like that. It's, it's your traditional fucking King Arthur, Knights of the Realm style fantasy. It was one of the early ones I read, and then I was recently able to pick a copy of it back up, and it's on my shelf over here. Oh, let's see if I can find his name. Callard? Oh, that Callard? sounds right. Yeah. Callard, and, there, and then his his brother. I can't remember his brother. Callard name. and Claude. Claude, that's it. Okay, so not as not as horrifically French as they could be. No, but there's I was a thinking lot of like uh, is, you know Pierre Lapierre or something. <laughs> oh, oh man, there's my next D and D character. Oh yeah, just the Frenchest French knight that's ever Frenched. <laughs> oh yeah, the big ticket book series for 40k is the Horus Heresy series. Yes, it is. There are 54. so many goddamn books. There are 54 novels that's not counting short stories that's not counting side novels that's not counting all the little audio dramas that go with it there are 54 actual books have you read any of them andrew i have read i think the first six or so and then i've read a few sprinkled throughout because i can't commit to a 54 book series at this point oh yeah Um, no for sure Maybe if I had read them as they were coming out, I'd have been able to. But uh, the first book came out like three years before. No, sorry. uh, Five years before I even got into Warhammer. So uh, I was doomed from the start. Yeah, so I read up till about book 31, 32 as they were coming out. Because they were coming out twice, maybe three times a year. Yeah. Uh, And then... In just 2016, you get War Without End, Pharaohs, Eye of Terra, Path of Heaven, Silent War, Angels of Caliban, Praetorian of Dorne, Korax, and Master of Mankind. That's a lot of books. That's 10 books in 12 months. And these are not small books. Like, yeah, these it's... are each three to 500 pages, usually. 
So let's see, 54 main novels, and then there's mm-hmm. currently 10 books in the Siege of Terror book series, including short stories, and they haven't well, released all of them yet. There's, only, there's uh, only seven out right now. Well, but they have like uh, Garrow, oh, oh, the Night of the Grey, yeah. you know, novellas, stuff like that. Yeah, there's so many uh, of those. And then there's apparently Siege of Terror prequels, so there's 10 of them. You mean uh, the Horus Heresy? <laughs> yeah, no. And then there's, yeah, like the Primark-specific books, and there's... There's Primark audio dramas. There's character novels like uh, for Valdor of the uh, Custodians. Like they, they go hard into the backstory the, of this series. The Primark novels are a solid six out of ten. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not anything to write home about. The cool well, part about the Horus. Yeah, I know. It really is. Uh, the cool part about the Horus Heresy series is the fact that, like, if you've been involved in the lore for any decent amount of time, you know the basics of Horus Heresy. Which means that you can really do this as kind of a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing. Uh, you can just cherry-pick what you want. The 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 like key ones are Horus Rising, which is by Dan Abnett. It's book one. Uh, the other one that's like super important is Flight of the Eisenstein. Which we have and, discussed on this before. Yeah, and, and Galaxy and Flames. Those those two are pretty crucial. Um, where did that one go? Uh, Un, Unremembered Empire is a pretty critical one. Also, simple. pretty much if it's written by Dan Abnett, it's one of the ones you should read because it's important because it was written by Dan Abnett. Yep, as we said, Dan Abnett's a good one. Uh, so uh, good that he's the one writing the last two books of the series. Mm-hmm. But he did not write the first one of Siege of Terror. That was by John French, and it was very good. Dan Abnett wrote Saturnine, which is the best Siege of Terra book. Holy shit, that one's good. That's like the fourth or fifth one? Uh, it's book four. Okay. And that so I listened to all I listened to all of Siege of Terror so far on audiobooks. Saturnine was so good that I was about an hour and a half from finishing it when I got home that I sat in my driveway for an hour and a half listening to the end of the book. Why didn't you just like take your phone inside and keep listening? Because I was that invested in it that I didn't want to stop it at all. Well, okay then. Yeah. Uh, books that I would recommend out of the Horus Heresy series. The My favorite ones were Titan Death, which is book That's 53. I have read that one, it's yeah. It's by Guy Haley. It's uh, Titans Fighting on Beta Garment, which is basically like the gateway to the solar system. It's very, very good. That's... um. I read that one when we got into Titanicus, the board game. Yep, so uh, that's, I wanted that, wanted that to get the flavor. That was a good time to read that one. Um, another one that's really cool to me is Talern by John French. It's book 45. Uh, the planet of Talern used to be a really beautiful oasis world until the Death Guard virus bombed it into oblivion and now it's just a desert world. But most of that book follows a tank crew. Because Talern was the site of the largest tank battle that has ever happened in the lore of 40k. It was like tens of thousands of armored vehicles, because that was the only way you could fight on Talern when it was being virus bombed. So a large portion of it follows a crew environmentally sealed in a Lehman Russ. And then... So kind of like a Fury, but 40k? Yeah. I, Fury was on, I was watching Fury when I was building all my guys. Nice. As you do. Um, What were those two called? There's also a pair in here. Oh, yeah. Also, my boys, the Iron Warriors, were there. Oh, yeah. 
because uh, you know you get some assholes with tanks and siege tactics, and they they just show up apparently. So book twelve and fifteen go together. They're actually the same story from two different point of points of view. So the first one is book twelve. It's called A Thousand Suns, and it is the thousand suns on Prospero as the space wolves descend upon it and destroy it and um, uh, Lehman Russ breaks Magnus's spine and all of that and it's from their point of view it's from Armin's point of view and then that's by Graham McNeil who writes a lot of chaos stuff he writes a lot of the thousand suns novels and things like that and then book 15 Prospero Burns is that exact same story from the space wolves perspective and it's so done it's by Dan Abnett 400 pages of drinking mead and saying wolf <laughs> no it's 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 fucking Horace Heresy space wolves where they're not as wolfy wolves oh that's when they're actually just cool space vikings yeah that's when they're the route yeah yeah but that's a really interesting one because like from Thousand Suns when you first read it you're like oh my god the space wolves were clearly the fucking bad guys here like and then you read it from the Space Wolves' perspective, you're like, oh, the Space Wolves weren't the bad guys, the Thousand Suns were the bad guys. It's like, well, which really was it there? Like, which one was the in the wrong? Spoiler, so. the answer is Horus, because he misled the Space Wolves. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, I actually, I, I have read A Thousand Suns, and I was going to recommend that one as well. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, uh, definitely read Prospero Burns and Andrew. You'll really like that one. Okay, I will keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, those those are the big ones for me from the Horus Heresy series. Um, Master of Mankind is really good. It's one of those that you should read in the series because yeah, it ex- it explains a lot of why the Emperor was doing what the Emperor was doing, why the Emperor had the Golden Throne built, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've heard that one's a uh, kind of a must read if you're really into the 40k universe. Yeah, and it's also by spoiler alert Aaron Dembski Bowden. Hey, one of our two big guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think it was Graham McNeil that did Thousand Sons, though. So yeah, he's a he's also a solid like top fiver. Yeah, I mean, basically anything you can think of, there is a book for in forty k. Uh, are um, there any? Is there anything that you've read, Andrew, that you are just like, mm, don't read that? Uh like any any misses that you know of the beast arises series it's okay off, thank you thank I'm, you i'm an orc guy i like orcs and i was like ah, oh, orcs is cool imperial fists are cool apparently they are not chocolate to peanut butter no god i am glad you said that because i read the first one it wasn't bad and it was written by dan abnett so that's probably why i liked it probably why bit. yeah but i i think i made it through throne world the fifth book and i was just like i'm done with this yeah it's just it's okay but there's just some weird choices in it yeah but yeah that's yeah. the only like big one off the top of my head where i'm like this is not great yeah um, um i've read some of the sisters of battle ones they're not bad they're not great they're not bad yeah and like i said at the top of this literally over a thousand books sprinkled throughout Blackwell Library. On the average, most of them are going to be kind of middling. There will be some standouts. There will be some fucking stinkers. So always uh, look up some recommendations before you buy. 
hell, re- reach out to us. We'll probably have read some of it. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have any more like quick one-off books you want to rattle off for recommendations? Um, you so there is the entire Space Marine battle novels series. Mm. Um, I've not read one of those that I didn't enjoy. That's what Hell's Reach is in. There's Rin's World, uh, Pandorax. Um, what uh, uh, what was that other one? Uh, fucking Sanctus Reach, the Flesh Terrors book. There's thirty of them. Jesus. They're, yeah. Well, each one of them is its own thing. Like, none of them expand out into other ones. Ah, but so not they, series. Yeah, and it, it specifically picks a battle. That's why they're the Space Marine Battle series. It picks one battle or war and focuses on that. Okay. So, they're all really good. Um, and a lot of the authors, like, have only written, like, these and a handful of others. Like, CZ Dunn, he's barely written anything else. Um, Phil Kelly actually wrote one of these. Phil Kelly, who wrote like the Eldar Codex back in the day and shit. Huh. I guess it was kind of like a writing exercise where it's like, yeah, just go nuts. Have fun. Yeah. Well, that's so you have to, when people get started with Black Library, they have to write a Space Marine book first. (laughs) If you can write the blandest boys and make them interesting, then you can write something fun. (laughs) Yeah. No, and that, that is one other cool thing that Black Library does every year is they do like a like an open submission. They give you a topic and they go write X amount about this topic if you want to be a Black Library author. And people submit them. And if there's good enough ones, they'll fucking hire them to write Black Library books. I need to like do creative writing because there's a part of me that's always wanted to try for that. And the part of me that knows I'm not that good of a writer. Yeah, ditto. Uh, so, Andrew, I've never read any of the books that are from a fucking orc's point of view, but you've read a couple, correct? Yeah, so... Uh, you want to go into those for a minute? The the big one that I'd recommend is uh, from a recent Black Library author, uh, Mike Brooks, who did the book Brutal Cunning, which is, I have talked about before on the podcast, but it's a uh, about a orc knob who is just kicking around on a uh, Adeptus Mechanicus world, and they're just fighting and looting, and it is hilarious because it's... It flip-flops between his perspective and the perspective of one of the tech priests on the planet and the differences uh, between how an orc is just having fun kicking the shit out of stuff and then from the tech priest perspective how this is fucking horrifying and like her life is falling apart and they're desperately trying to salvage knowledge and technology before these giant fucking idiots come and break it or turn it into a gun. So it's a, it's a really fun one for that, for sure. Um... Uh, there was a short series called Fear the Alien, which was a pretty solid one as well. That had some good orc mini mini stuff in it as well, but nothing quite as uh, focused and condensed as like a brutal cunning. Uh, really, there's not that many like orc centric books that are from the orcs' perspective. The orcs tend to be cannon fodder in a lot of books, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do like that when that happens and they show them actually being like these horrifying alien monsters who are just brutal and will murder anything for fun. But then you flip so, the orcs perspective and they're just having a good time. Guy Haley's Bane Blade does a really good job of making orcs fucking horrifying. Yeah, because from a guardsman's perspective, they're like these eight foot tall mountains of muscle who only want to kill you. And there is no like democracy or sorry, uh, there is no uh, diplomacy with them. Uh, You can't reason with them. They just want to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, like um, one of the main antagonists in that book, I believe, is uh, Snake Bites in part of it. And like they captured a bunch of humans and they were just playing games with them. Yeah. And the guards were watching these orcs just like 
fucking basically murder these guys as a game and like oh we're so fucked yeah because they they don't feel pain like humans do they have such like limited pain receptors that violence is fun for them because it's how they feel so like something like a human who feels pain pretty acutely uh they just don't have empathy at all they don't understand that sort of thing and they're genetically modified beings who are built for war and they literally cannot exist without war so like this is just another day to them they don't care yeah um andrew did you ever read any of the last chancers novels i did not so, are you familiar with what the Last Chancers are? Uh, they're a penal legion, right? Uh, kind of, yeah. Uh, so, Colonel Schaefer of Colonel Schaefer's Last Chancers, he, he basically goes around and, like, handpicks criminals for these, like, it's basically the Expendables before the Expendables movies. He uh. goes around and he handpicks these criminals specifically suited for a mission, and if they can complete the mission, they're granted their freedom. Um, well, so, so nobody ever gets free, huh? <laughs> a couple of people do. Oh, wow. And by free, they basically just go back to other guard regiments. Yeah, it's the, you're no longer on the shit list, you just yeah. get to get killed in a normal way. It's the, hey, I'll take that bomb collar off of you. Yeah. You could you can go to the mess hall without me telling you to. Yeah. Uh, that's a really fun series, too. So. Okay. Um, I just got a couple more to rattle off that we don't have to go yeah, super yeah, yeah, in-depth sure, on. Sure. Uh, Gloom Spite by Andy Clark is a fun one. It's uh, a city of Sigmar that's getting attacked by the Gloom Spite Gits during the rise of the Bad Moon, and it's from the perspective of the people living there. So similar to uh, when the orcs attack and how fucking terrifying it is for people who aren't orcs. Uh, similar thing with the, the Gits, where like there's just these fucking little madmen with knives everywhere, and they're all fucking freaking out and doing weird dances and shit, and there's creepy mushrooms growing on everything. Like, they have this really horrifying thing where... Um, Anytime anybody gets out in the moonlight of the bad moon, they have like fungus start forcing its way up through their skin. It's really creepy. And so I like I like seeing like kind of like the dark fairy tale side of the gloom spike gets where you kind of see that a little bit in the models, but it's way creepier from a non goblins perspective. And I like seeing that a lot. And it's actually like borderline a horror story in some points. So it's definitely worth a read for that sort of thing. Um, in a similar vein, the Lords of silence back to 40 K where it's about a, uh, a death guard, uh, chapter, but war band, I guess is the better word. Um, and they're not even doing any like crazy specific, like, you know, galaxy breaking anything. They're just kind of like ruining a world and it's just kind of going through how gross and horrifying the death guard are and how, you know, these, these Marines who are just Im covered in plague and immune to its effects, how that like affects the people around them. And, like, again, their perspective on the universe where uh, they just deal with things in a completely different way from even, like, you know, a World Eater or a Thousand Suns member or something. Uh, and again, back to just being really creepy and unsettling. It's, it's a really interesting book. I like that one a lot. And the audio book is really good on that because uh, whoever they got to do the narration does some really good voices where he sounds like he's about to hack up a lung half the time. So he, he really goes uh, all out when it comes to creepy sick space marines. Nice. Yeah, sometimes when they read Nurgle stuff, it's just, it's almost uncomfortable. Or you get the guy who commits a little too hard the wrong way and just has a mouthful of phlegm and you can't understand a yeah, damn thing he's saying. that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, nope, nah, you're like, I'll listen to this shit. Dial it back a bit. I need to actually hear the words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, we could keep rattling stuff off, but we're already approaching about two hours. So. Yeah. Uh, so the best thing about Black Library is a lot of their stuff is on Audible, which yes. you can get an Audible subscription with Amazon Prime for pretty cheap. You get a credit a month. The readers they have are all very good. I have not listened to a Black Library novel that I was disappointed in the actual voicing on. Yeah, they usually uh, get, like, proper professionals to come in and do yeah. it. Sometimes sometimes it's just a narrator. Sometimes they do, like, actual audio dramas where there's, like, sound effects and stuff, which are really fun. Those tend to be a little on the shorter side, but they're, they're usually worth it. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Andrew, do you remember what your first Black Library novel was, by chance? Um, I think... It might have been the Grey Knight series by Ben Counter. If that wasn't Ooh, the first that, one. That one's then, not bad either. Yeah, if it wasn't the first one, that's like one of the first ones. And yeah, I definitely remember enjoying it a lot. It, it might not hold up these days, but uh, I, I, it was a very fun one to read on my lunch breaks when I was still working retail. Yeah, I read those. Those were, those were not bad at all. Where he gets captured and it's like a fucking gladiator on a demon world for a while. Yeah, like a Cornate possessed world. Yeah. Um, the second one, that's probably where I got my love of Dark Mechanicus stuff, where they go on a, a Dark Mechanicum world that just recently came out of the warp, and they have to explore that and try and uh, uh, exercise the demons there. It's really cool. Nice. Yeah, my uh, I got two of them at the same time. Uh, it was the first Gaunt's Ghost omnibus, and then, um, oh God, who wrote it? Uh, black sky dead sun it was one of the ultramarine books graham mcneil dead ah. sky black sun close enough yeah it's like the second or third in the ultramarine series but i didn't know that at the time so uh, a little bit of it was confusing but i'd been in the hobby for about four or five years when i got these two books so you know i knew enough about it to figure it the fuck out do you have any books that you are looking forward to reading? Um, Other well, the than the end, ones we talked about. I would say the end of the Siege of Terror for sure, but I need yeah, to catch sure. up to the rest of that first. Because um, I, uh, I, I've gotten two books in as many weeks that I'm looking forward to. Uh, nothing immediately off the top of my head. I tend to not really like super keep up with it like a lot of people do, but I'll gotcha. let myself be pleasantly surprised if I go and visit a Barnes & Noble or something. But with the most recent black library stuff they showed off definitely bad loon rising and then yeah, the Siege oh, of that's stuff. great that's gonna be so uh, fucking great i mean they they got my number there with git stuff yeah th that preview for the black library one and the fucking open preview were like tailor-made to target you Ah, there's just so much good stuff. I'm 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 back on my chaos bullshit. They 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 hit me with gloom spike get stuff. I'm just I'm all over it. Yeah, I uh, I picked up the Hellbrecht novel on a whim, so I'm excited to read it. It just came out like a month ago. Hellbrecht, oh, nice. Knight of the Throne. Hopefully, it's a uh, Hell's Reach quality, but we'll see. I hope so. It's written by. Who is it written by? Who wrote you? Mark Collins. Oh, I don't know anything by Mark Collins. Uh, he wrote Void King, which looks interesting. It's a rogue trader book. Yeah, and I've heard some You're, of the recent the recent Necron books are supposed to be really good. Like they're they're definitely making an effort to show stuff other than just Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines, which I appreciate. Was it Twice Dead King, I think? Yeah, he's in a bunch of short story collections. Oh, including one called Champions All, which is about a 
Black Templars Emperor's Champion. Hmm. Definitely sounds like your shit. Yeah, right? Well, he's got a book about a rogue trader, book about Hellbrecht. Uh, he wrote some of the short stories for Sabbath World stuff. Uh, he wrote some short stories for one of the crime novels. Yeah, I definitely need to get into the uh, the crime novels, because that's yeah. a recent series they've done that's supposed to be really generally pretty solid from what I've seen. Ooh, he wrote a fucking... An Adeptus Mechanicus story. Hmm. On a devastated world, the tech priest and her band of followers seek refuge in a d- damaged titan. Sounds pretty cool. I do like me some beep boop robot boys. Oh, and he wrote Imps and Minions, Odds and Ends, Fun, Unique, and Interesting Collection of Sci-Fi, Fantasy, Horror, and Speculative Literature. What the fuck? I don't think that's Black Library. No, it's not, but all, everything sh- else he wrote was Black Library. That's why I'm so confused. Huh. Well, maybe he's just he's starting to branch out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but and anyway. then And then for Christmas, um, Matt was able to score me a copy of fucking Cadian Blood, which I'm super excited about. Which I, I think I read it when it first came out, because it came out in like the early 2000s, but they just did the special edition to go with the Guard Codex. And I am very excited, because it's an ADB novel, so you know it's the good shit. It's, it's going to be pretty solid. Yeah. Like I, said, I, th- I think I've read it, but I don't know if I have. Hmm. Well, but yeah, looking good, forward. Good to Good time to get back to it, at least. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, so yeah, we've uh, we've run a little bit, a little bit long in this, and we got some stuff to edit out. This that kind of balances. Oh yeah, at least thirty minutes of technical issues. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so, uh, so Andrew, what kind of advice do you want to leave us with? Oh, fuck. I was not prepared. Damn. Oh, seriously? I, I was, I was so on proud a st- of you last week. I was you, on a streak. You, you were prepared, and it made me forget how we end our show, because you were actually prepared. Ah, uh, how fucking dare I? Um, shit. Okay. Uh, 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 take care of your bookshelf, because you're going to be piling up some Black Library books. Make sure to do your dusting. That can lead to, uh, to your pages yellowing too early if you uh, don't take care of it. Make sure they're on nice level surfaces so the, uh, the spines don't get warped. Uh, don't be one of those fucking animals that bends your paperbacks in half to read the page that you're on. Just take care of your books, y'all. Oh, uh, to add on to that, make sure, especially if you are in an apartment or something like that, do not press your bookshelf all the way against a wall because it will not be level because how they do carpets in apartments. Uh, also, make sure your bookshelf is rated for the weight of the books going on it. Cheap little Walmart bookshelves are not going to hold that much shit, guys. They are not going to hold a good, thick, special edition Black Library book. They might only get some paperbacks. Right. So you heard it here first, kids. Bookshelves. Take care of them. Take care of your books. Don't fold them. Don't be an animal. Don't be uh, an animal. Don't be an animal. All right, everybody. Have Thanks for listening and have a good night. Goodbye. Dice like guys must be nice to play some games with your friends. Necromunda makes you wonder how friendships end. So flip that table, if you're able, and consult your charts and graphs. <laughs> so let's have some fun, and get it done, or you can kiss my ass. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com. 
or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under Dice Like Ice Podcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to William James for our outro music and Scarlet Saturn for letting us use their music at the intro to our show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.